and we're here to talk to you about uh, the anime and films and gaming and TV like we always do even though it's never in equal proportions between each of those subjects but you know we, we kind of make it up as we go along we, we, we like to freeball it a little bit oh we definitely do we definitely do I mean like it <laughs> can be massively disproportionate to gaming but let's see if we can bring it back and talk about some films this week to be fair, we did like have a nearly three-hour episode last week on WandaVision, which I feel has like weighted it towards TV once more. So we do now owe like the film goers. Man, I feel like we just we're just constantly playing catch up with this podcast, where we constantly owe um, fans of like either film or gaming or TV uh, uh, their own segments, where we're we're never gonna be perfectly in balance. For each of them. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, like, there's so much to talk about, and we're forever playing catch up. But by God, are we having fun doing it? But we are, and we're not just having fun. We're solving mysteries, and we're rewriting histories. <laughs> Ducktales. I really liked how that went. It's was that, the, <laughs> so, was that the actual theme to Ducktales? Yeah, cards on the table. So, I, uh, so, so I've been not very well the last few days because uh, I okay yesterday because I actually got the the first jab of the covid vaccine so um the day after you get a bit sometimes you can get a bit of a fever but that's you know all good because obviously vaccines are a more important thing um so so in yesterday i spent the day watching tv binging uh two shows uh chapelle show because that's now all on netflix and i love chapelle show and i've been binging ducktales um <laughs> the 2017 ducktales on disney and fucking it's amazing like it is so good and fast-paced humor, and I'm I'm annoyed I never got into it before because it's so funny. That's cool. I might check it out. I would I would highly recommend it. Do you know what? It's kind of like Animaniacs in that sense that you know it's it's children's TV, but the humor is so fast-paced. It's just it's hard not to keep laughing. Um, like I'm just trying to think. There was there was a bit earlier in one of the episodes where uh they're talking about climbing a mountain like mount everest kind of thing and um they're talking about one of the the people who went to climb it beforehand and he he died up on the mountain <laughs> and 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 scrooge is like to him yes but the difference is that we're not going to quit and then like louis like to him you do realize that dying isn't quitting <laughs> and he's like and he's like to me they're the same thing and i was like this show is brilliant and david tennant scrooge mcduck is amazing <laughs> is he um, actually really scrooge mcduck yeah yeah david so the cast is unreal for don, uh, don for cheadle's a, in it as well isn't he He's in it for like a, ca- a cameo once right. uh, in one of the episodes, but yeah, the the cast is amazing for a, a TV show like that. So it's David Tennant, it's Scrooge McDuck. That's You've hilarious. got um, da- Danny Pudi and John and um, Ben Schwartz and um, uh, what's his name, the guy from SNL, um, um, one of the guys from SNL. He's they're, they're the the Huey Dewey and Louie, Bobby okay. Moynihan. That's it. 
Bobby Moynihan um, and and Kate Micucci's um, Webby and like they're just fantastic. But oh my god, you can always tell with uh, Ben Schwartz and uh, John Ralphio because his his voice just fits it so perfectly. So distinctive, yeah. It's it's so distinct and it, yeah, it's it's high. I'd highly recommend it, man. Like it's uh, it's such a fun one. It recently finished, so now all that all there is is like whatever there is, isn't it? It's no nothing to. It's not going to carry on going forward, which is a bit of a shame, but it's because everybody's obviously quite big for it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, though. You've got 100 episodes, and you've got a film out there as well, so you've got plenty to kind of binge on and catch up on. And like, I used to love the original when I was a kid. Never, um, watched, I used to, never I used to, watched it, to be honest. Did you know, I used, to, I used to watch that and, like, the film that they made of it uh, over and over and over again when I was a child to the point where, um, like, I remember distinctly one of my cousins saying, it's like, you know, if you watch this every day, you're going to get sick of it. But I never did. <laughs> it's like that and, and Toy Story and Space Jam I used to watch a lot on VHS when I was a kid. Um, and, yeah, I never got sick of any of them. Although, in retrospect, all of those films were out when I was really, really little. So we probably had them... Um, like we we probably had them, but they weren't films that I would have watched when they came out. If you know what I mean. Okay, just one point. Out. I got that completely wrong. Yeah, there's not hundred episodes. I was looking at the old series. So there's actually sixty oh, sixty nine episodes of the new series, which is still quite, quite a perfect. lot. Quite a lot to enjoy. That's a perfect number. There's I think it's like four seasons, mm, three seasons. That's awesome. Or the fourth is the most recent one, which just came out. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Ducktales. Um, let's get into the news i guess <laughs> let's do it <laughs> that's a weird way to segue segue into the news wasn't it okay so the first bit of news is that the live action cowboy bebop series has wrapped up filming um and i believe it's on netflix so so that will be coming out soon and you know maybe it might break the whole anime to live action curse which kind of is prevalent amongst all western adaptations of anime where they they tend to kind of make them shit when they turn them into real people so what, what do you reckon i mean cowboy bebop is a lot more i don't want to say grounded but when you compare it to something like say full male alchemist and death note um they're just, they're just kind of like normal people they don't do things which are quite uh out there if you know mm. what i mean it's more of a sci-fi setting yeah. and they're going around spaceships so that stuff, like we we know that with Star Wars and that they can do the that sort of setting quite well, but it, there's no specific powers, for example, that they'll need to like CGI in, you know, because yeah. Spike and them they're just normal people. I mean, it's it could be interesting. Like, it's a series I really really love. Um, yeah, I really hope they do it justice. I mean, like the cast looks pretty interesting. They've got John Cho from um, Harry and Kumar. The, the yeah. movie series as uh, Spike Spiegel so he's generally quite generally quite a good actor so I'm kind of hoping for a good performance from him I think he'll play the role quite well to be honest I wonder uh, if he's going to have a sexy enough voice to like do Steve Bloom justice <laughs> probably not I mean like <laughs> probably not unless they kind of like dub him with <laughs> Steve Blum's voice that'd be, that'd be that'd so be funny hilarious. But it'll be interesting how it plays out. Um, I'm looking at the kind of wiki page right now. It doesn't really implicitly state state how many episodes they're doing at the moment. So, um, I I would not know. I mean, so what? The first, the the actual series is 26 episodes, right? Mm. So I would imagine they're not doing that many. They're probably going to do like eight, yeah. and it'll be like an anthology or something. Yeah, probably right. Probably right. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean. 
I'm hoping it's going to look visually quite amazing as well, because, like, some of the kind of landscapes, the ships, and, well, everything about Bebop, quite visually, Bebop was quite visually amazing, don't you think? So I'm really yeah, hoping I, they do it that, that side justice as well. I, I hope they get the characterizations right as well. Like, I'd love to see um, those characters brought to proper life yeah. with, like, Edward and Faye and all of them. It's, it'd be cool to see. I wonder if... The, do they actually have, like, a child to play Edward? I wonder. So, looking at the cast, they've only got Spike, Jet, Faye, Vicious, and Julia. That's weird if they miss out Edward. Yeah. Even though, Although, I guess it could, like, if it's the first series, then it could just be, like the initial few episodes stretched out, if you know what I yeah. mean. Because Edward didn't come out until, like, halfway through it, didn't, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't she? To like, actually, on the recurring side of the cast, um, they do have the character Edward, Radical Ed, Wong Hao, Pepelu, Wachowski, the fourth, Ed. Yeah. He will Ed, be making Ed. appearance in the show, as will uh, Ayn, their little dog. Okay, so that means that he is, isn't it? Okay, yeah. Cool. Which is fantastic. I mean, I'm really hoping the music's going to be good in this one as well, because I did absolutely love the soundtrack by the Seatbelts for Cowboy Bebop, and I really hope they do that justice as well. That soundtrack is, like, iconic, isn't it? It really is. In terms is. of anime soundtracks. It really is. So, just so we're, like, completely clear, are we... So, so Edward... Was the joke that Edward was, like, a little girl, but she went by Edward? I can't remember. Like, was that part of the... Yeah, so Edward's kind of, like, this kind of androgynous little girl basically yeah, yeah it, she, it, it was Ed, edward was a girl right mm-hmm. like, if i'm not mistaken yeah and like her dad because her dad said something later in the series to confirm it because like they they play up the is 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 she a girl mm. or a boy yeah um and then yeah and like she herself doesn't ever answer it which is i think they do it as like to play it for laughs kind of thing mm-hmm. but there's a really weird in the actual in the movie there's a weird part with like someone who's kind of a paedophile makes a pass yeah. at Ed then Ed's like I'm oh. a girl and the paedophile's like horrified <laughs> which is really okay. which is really weird but yeah she's a girl that's that's fucking horrible yeah <laughs> yeah oh man that's that's really and, fucking and that horrible ma- and, that, and that made it into the actual dub so ah <laughs> oh, man you know 90s anime mm. you can't can't I guess hold it by today's standards you know what I mean oh yeah yeah um, I guess uh, moving on to the next piece of news uh, I think I may have compiled this from a while ago because the series has already started but um, the final trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier came out um, whilst we were I think on our break um, so obviously the first episode's already out now so it came out yesterday um, so I've already given that a watch and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to it later down the line probably won't do as much of an in-depth review as like WandaVision maybe do like a smaller recap but um yeah, uh, going going forward in terms of Falcon with Soja, we know that um, the bad guy looks to be Baron Zemo with the purple mask. Uh, I I question if it's the same Baron Zemo as the one in in Civil War, just because it kind of reflects strangely on his Civil War uh, character arc. If he's now like a conventional bad guy, if you know what I mean, yeah, because I've, the ho- I've, me- the whole point of the Civil War one was like the the effects of collateral damage and terrorism and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like you know he uh, that they were saving his town, but um, they accidentally like killed his family or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like to show uh, 
the the harm of collateral damage. Oh, so yeah. for him to then go on to be like an actual bad guy is a bit of a strange twist to it. Yeah, it was. It would be, and if he like somehow managed to basically escape from whatever kind of like uh, jurisdiction he's now under, and yeah. to become a bad guy is also slightly odd. But casting casting wise, it's I believe it's the exact same guy, isn't it? I think so. Well, th- this is why I find it strange because. Like I feel like one of the points to the um, to the character was to give you a bit like of a morally grey area, mm. and and because he's not like a conventional bad guy, it's like you they want you to be able to sympathise with his like idea of getting revenge on Tony Stark because it's like a you you were the one who created this mess in the first place, yeah. um, and you're the one who yeah like you you then came and saved us but then you called you caused all of this destruction and there are consequences for your actions kind of thing um it's just very strange if he becomes like a conventional bad guy but we'll see we'll see going forward um and then i guess if it is him uh we can we can talk about it in like the review once this is all over sounds good to me Mm. uh in other news uh there is a new playstation ip which um is made by someone called Jade Raymond, known for her integral role in helping to create the Assassin's Creed and Watchdog series. So I used to work with Ubisoft, um, and she's created a new studio called Haven, and they're working for and they're working on a new unannounced IP for Sony. Um, so PlayStation, they they announced this the other day. They said that it's uh, an independent studio, but they're going to be backed by PlayStation. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Um, as I said, of this person, that she has experience with some pretty pretty heavy hitting games. Uh, Assassin's Creed obviously mm-hmm. does ridiculously well, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, I mean, in terms of uh, PlayStation users, you can never have too many original IPs and uh, exclusive games to play, mm-hmm. um, especially with all the moves that Microsoft are making recently. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they come out with. I mean, she's like you said, she's got such a great catalogue behind her and yeah. I imagine so many people like those games you mentioned have such an amazing following I think people have very high hopes for this yes exactly um, in the next piece of news uh, it, so kind of so so I've written here that uh, I will have to again say that I was predicting it wrong so I think it's like a third week in a row but uh, uh, the, the the guy, the Xbox guy, came out and said that Bethesda IPs are actually going to be exclusive to to platforms that have Game Pass. Um, so we were saying, or I was saying last week, mm-hmm. that um, I don't think Bethesda games are going to become exclusive to Xbox because it would just be a bit strange for them to reduce all of those revenue fields, yeah, uh, revenue streams. Um, yeah, it, they, they are going to do it, <laughs> it turns out, because it's saying that if it's exclusive to Game Pass, Game Pass is on uh, Xbox, as we know, but also PC, etc. So it does seem like they are cashing in on the exclusivity when it comes to those IPs. I think it's weird, um, but maybe they're testing the waters because Xbox are known to like try things, and then if it doesn't work, they give up on it. Mm-hmm. So do you remember back in the day when they did the whole um, you uh, people aren't allowed to share games thing? They had to... like. Uh, even if you wanted to borrow your friend's game, you had to then pay for it or something. Did you remember that? I do. That that was such a bad move. 
Well, this is the thing that they did that got so much bad press that they backed out on it, and I reckon if this doesn't like increase, um, if this doesn't go and increase uh, Microsoft like, Xbox sales massively, then they might back out on this as well. You never know. Um, personally, I don't care that much about Bethesda games. Um, a lot of them, I think we said last week, a lot of them are games which I appreciate a lot of games like, but uh, they're not really my kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it will be interesting to see what comes out soon, as long as they don't go out and buy more game studios and pull this shit. I mean, you, <laughs> ne- the last you, you never want, know, they could, they've got enough money. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like, the last thing you want is for game studios to become, like, homogenized in under two brands, so you have Microsoft or Sony, and then there's, like, very little other third parties mm-hmm. that would suck. Um, you know, it's nice having a, a wide range of studios that you can play from. Uh, exclusivity as much as i like it um in terms of like being a playstation owner i do ultimately think it's not a good thing in terms of like the gaming industry oh definitely and i really do feel sorry for the like the hardcore bethesda fans who like are hearing this right now yeah absolutely yeah exactly the ones who now they would have already bought a ps5 and now have to go out and like either just give up on bethesda games or um go and get an xbox as well or maybe trade in their playstation 5 news um one last bit of playstation news uh they're adding to their like stay at home initiative so they did this last year where they you know because of the covid um lockdown across the world um they made a number of games free to play so for example uh, uncharted i believe it was the uncharted trilogy and journey they also added the ratchet and clank to that list so that's also free to play at the moment um, so they're adding more games to their staying at home initiatives, so 10 more games specifically, um, and one of those games is Horizon Zero Dawn, which is obviously one of their big, big hitters. So I think this is really good stuff. I mean, you know, it, uh, the cynic in me is like, oh yeah, it's a PR move, but at the end of the day, you're giving people free games for the sake of like trying to keep them within their houses and not get COVID. So, you know, the end result is only positive, you know? Um, are you gonna are you gonna get some of these free games i mean, I mean you don't even it, need to be ps plus to get them you can just get them <laughs> i mean it's such a nice move like it's so compassionate and it's such a great idea just to get people to stay inside and just not transmit covid i'm like i i just love that idea so much <laughs> and, just like, and just not transfer and just not transfer covid and make my my work even harder so <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's a fantastic idea, and I probably will indulge and like look into those kind of um those games that have been released. I did already buy um Horizon Zero Dawn, so I do have that one. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'll probably look into Ratchet and Clank. I think highly recommend Ratchet and Clank. That game's great. Like that game is really really good. Very um arcadey fun. So yeah, anyone listening out there, definitely get Horizon if you, especially if it's for free, and definitely play Ratchet and Clank. Uncharted games are all great too. So if they're still for free, then yeah, fuck it, just give them a go. No harm when you're getting it for free. There's really no harm in in like testing the waters, is there? That's the best exactly, part. Exactly. Yeah, you've literally got nothing to lose, and you've got to be thankful that Sony are doing something like this. Definitely. Um, uh, in other news, there was a Square Enix Direct thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they announced a number of things. I'm really glad we're not a Square Enix podcast because then that would have had to take the <laughs> priority. The entire episode. Yeah, the entire episode, like we always do. I'm just like, oh, yep. Yeah. So, all I would have been bitching is that there were no like Final Fantasy 16 reveals because that's what, what 
I understood is that there were no Final Fantasy 16 reveals, although they do, they're do they doing like a celebration of uh, Tomb Raider's anniversary, like we talked about um, oh, a few cool. weeks ago. So they're repackaging the three most recent games as like a trilogy, and mm-hmm. uh, or rather the, the PS3 and PS4 game trilogy. Um, they're like putting a sale on them too. So yeah, that's something to invest in. Uh, I... Again, Square, I I love some of the games that they make, but I'm not, like, the biggest fan of most of their stuff except for Final Fantasy, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, the, the, I, I think we were meant to look into more, more of what they said, but from what I understand, it was mostly, like, Tomb Raider stuff and very little Final Fantasy stuff. Uh, I mean, that was the main thing you were hoping for, right, wasn't it? Uh, kind of more kind of Final Fantasy 16 with uh, reveals, right? Yeah. Exactly. I think it was Final Fantasy. Uh, well, Final Fantasy. If not Final Fantasy, then like something Dragon Quest related, because um, obviously they're both they're both Square Enix. But yeah. I, I wasn't expecting Dragon Quest. But whereas we know Final Fantasy sixteen is coming out soon, oh, yeah. which should be coming out soon. So it would have been nice to get a little bit more information on that. But uh, you know, alas, nothing. <laughs> it's kind of like how we got the. Um, it's kind of like the we were expecting Breath of the Wild 2 and got Skyward Sword, whereas with this it was like expecting Final Fantasy 16 <laughs> and got nothing. So, oh God. you know, not not anything to cry about. And, like, to be honest with you, 15 was a, an okay time for me, so I'm not the most excited for 16 to begin with. Um, but, yeah, we'll right. go, I'll, go in, I'll go into 15 another time. But um, I mean, Put it this way, we've only, we're only in March. Well, we're coming towards the end of March, but... So we've got plenty of time for both of you for something nice to happen. Yeah, and as we all know, the bigger reveal, the bigger games uh, tend to come out during the holiday period anyway, and like coming towards the end of the year. Um, yeah. I think, ugh, I think what they're really focusing on at the moment is like the uh, seven remake DLC and uh, a few, a few of their other games. Because Square Enix is such a huge company, like they make so many different so many different games and, and things like they even do anime and stuff don't they so yeah the, like a direct by them can include literally anything anything yeah <laughs> um, you just gotta uh, praise the stuff that you actually want <laughs> yeah and this is why I'm not like as indulgent in their stuff as like say Nintendo because Nintendo I kind of I have um, enough um, how do I put this I have enough like investment in enough a variety of their stuff to yeah. that, like, when they do an announcement, I will probably have um, something for me, if you know what I mean. Like, whenever I'm watching one of these directs, there will probably be something for me because I'm not just, like, a, a Zelda fan. I'm also a Mario fan. I'm also a fan of, like, Metroid. I'm also a fan of there's so many different uh, properties of theirs that is, you know, you're, you're increasing the chances of getting something you want. I'm laughing because I imagine, like, how the next... Pokemon, the next uh, Nintendo Direct is like one massive 45 minute Pikmin reveal that'd be so funny and this is like, I, don't, I don't hate Pikmin at all I, I just never played them <laughs> um, but yeah uh, I think yeah uh, Square Square doing their, their thing <laughs> probably I probably should have looked into more of what they revealed but to be honest I just didn't care that much because after I realised uh, there was no Final Fantasy Final Fantasy if it was, 16 if it was interesting we would have reported on it so <laughs> yeah exactly Tomb Raider is only so interesting to me but oh well uh, and finally the final piece of uh, news this week is uh, Sony have bought the fighting game 
tournament, like the biggest fighting game tournament in the world, um, Evo, which was a very strange move, if if you ask me. <laughs> so I know very little about this. Yeah. What what exactly is Evo? So. Evo is what determines, like, who's the best, for example, the best Smash player in the world, the best Street Fighter player in the world, the best Mortal Kombat player in the world. So what they do is they host, like, a number of mainstay games on the main stage. So it'll be about six games selected every year that they'll host, like, really big tournaments for. So Smash is often one of them. Um, Yeah. uh, This year it wasn't because, from what I understand, since it became remotely um, held... Uh, they they said that the uh, the netcode for Smash Ultimate is so shit that mm-hmm. they just couldn't reliably play off of it. Whereas um, over the years, you know, they'll have a, on the main stage they'll have like Smash Ultimate and Melee, and then they'll have like Street whatever the newest Street Fighter is, whatever the newest um, Marvel versus Capcom is. A lot of the time, except Infinite, um, they'll they'll often have like. Basically, all the big fighting games, Blaze Blue, etc., ones that people want to watch, and then they'll have like these massive crowds that will gather and watch people play those games. Um, and it's it's pretty huge. Like this is where people go and win like millions whenever they win the final. You know what I mean? That sounds really amazing, though. <laughs> it's interesting sorry. stuff, yeah. Um, and you get to find out like who's the best Smash player in the world and stuff. Like if you if you follow that kind of if you are into that kind of stuff, that competitive scene, then. Uh, it's what you would be paying attention to. I'm I'm not really. Uh, like I, again, I I play all of these games so casually. Yeah, um, just recreationally. Recreationally, I play them so casually. Like I've never bothered to learn a fighting game, if you know what I mean. Like to mm. get so in depth with one. Like Smash is Ultimate is the game I the fighting game I've put the most amount of time in by far. And even then, I wouldn't say I'm like a fucking competitive player. I, I'm I'm barely a novice. Like I I can I I know the core concepts of what you're meant to do in what situation but i'm i still don't have like the finesse to do like meteor smashes and stuff that level of skill that's like required and that so many people have yeah like have you seen have you ever seen people play um smash competitively or like clips of when they play competitively where they 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 barely ever touch the ground like they're just constantly in the air and i remember watching it when i was well, before I properly started playing Smash, thinking that you could just continue, continuously stay in the air. But what they're actually doing is, like, using the other player to get another bounce and another jump and stuff. It, it's pretty nuts. Um, I mean, and... it's incredible they have that level of dexterity and like kind of the memory to well, input that. It's, yeah, it's just, like, it just blows my mind. Yeah, exactly. And like, as I said, the number of times you see people doing meteor smashes, like I fuck that up so often. <laughs> when Whenever I pull it off, I'm like, oh my god, I actually did it. Uh, there's only a few characters who I can who I can meteor with like reasonably consistent, consistently, I mean, like uh, I, Captain I was, Falcon, for like, example. I was thrilled when I was playing with you, when I was showing you how to play, and mm. I pulled off Ness's recovery like perfectly. That yeah. never happens, like that hardly ever happens to me. Whereas, like, I've seen people take out other players with Ness's recovery. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what the... (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, let me send this electrified child hurtling towards you. Because that's what that's what Ness's recovery is. You're like shocking him into into surviving. Basically, yeah. It's like a defibrillator, but (laughs) one that just keeps you back up in the air. But yeah, man, like that is. That is about it for this week's news. I'm sure there was much more, but to be honest with you, we're like, you know, nothing else really stood out to me. 
that was worth kind of putting down. Um, there wasn't a lot of uh, film film news. Uh, I guess the only other thing I wanted to add to that is like the Snyder Cut came out this week. Um, so I actually did give that a watch the day it came out, all four mm-hmm. hours of it. Uh, and um, I know you you probably plan to sooner or later. So we, we yes, can we can actually do that on a future episode and give it like a little bit more of a review uh, and hopefully the podcast episode that we review it won't be as long as the goddamn <laughs> Snyder cuts um, I- I'll say from now it's a much better film than it was before I-, I hated the Justice League film the original one I thought it was so shit at times and uh, it, was, it was generally very boring at points and the dialogue yeah. was stil- stilted and awful and like they really didn't do certain characters justice, whereas this, this, as you would expect, they go into a lot more depth and they do more characters justice, but it's kind of what you'd expect with, like, a consistent vision, I think is the best way mm-hmm. to put it. Um, I mean, I mean, like, having watched the first film, like like you said, like, the dialogue stunted, the, like, combat scenes aren't, aren't great. No. Um, the character, introducing the characters were, like, done so hastily. Um, so, I think maybe giving... It, the actual film itself, four hours, is probably actually a better shout. I mean, yeah. you've got more time to introduce the characters, you can do more world building, backgrounds, and everything. So I think it could probably work in his favor. I mean, your overall opinion of it, positive of this new one? Yeah, I mean, I I genuinely thought it was pretty good. Like pretty oh, good. good. It's still not as good as like, um, one of the main Avengers films to be honest with you <laughs> it's okay. but then again I guess those have had years and years and years to like build on success after success whereas I think if you compare it to say like the first Avengers film it might be I don't know kind of on that quality level if you know what I mean like comparing it to Endgame would be pretty unfair because Endgame has had however many films to build into Endgame whereas yeah. this was kind of like this was like the first attempt, if you know what I mean. So maybe it's not a good but, one to. But to be honest, you saying that it's on par with like one of maybe the first Avengers film or one of the like. Something maybe like Age that. of Ultron. Yeah, I maybe mean, something I mean, like Age I mean, of Ultron. I mean, that sounds fantastic considering how bad the original was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what I mean. Is because we have the original as a point of comparison, this seems a lot better, and I think that's the general consensus of it. So I think the Rotten Tomato score went from like seventy something percent audience view, uh, audience rating to like ninety something. So that jump in quality is pretty pretty astounding, and even the critic score um, jumped like twenty percent. But then it also begs a question: like, if you're not comparing it to the first film, how mm. how like how would you actually? How would you actually perceive it if you weren't doing that comparison in the back of your mind? I think but I think that's probably something we can really discuss in detail when we get to watching it. Yeah, I think once you watch it and can have your own thoughts on it, then it'll be good because we can actually we can we can pontificate on it and say, "Man, this is a <laughs> get they, they philosophical." Yeah, get really philosoph- philosophical. Say like, maybe if more films fucked it up the first time and then gave you a redemption, then uh, we would we would more films in good light like imagine uh for example like what if they did like a Forrest never c- yeah <laughs> not first come because that's like a known good film but i'm saying something that which was really really bad the first time and we never gave a second shot because it's so awful um just trying to think what's a really bad film Emmerich? there's so many uh, but i can't the super the super mario film yeah, like Super Mario film. Like, what if they, you know, they they came out and did a redemption of that, even though Bob Hoskins is dead, um, and everyone else is old. <laughs> everyone else is old. <laughs> I watched. You, um, you could you could probably do a better job with Scorps. Yeah. No. No. You 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 could. But 
but yeah, no, we'll we'll get to the Snyder Cut eventually. I mean, we've got so many. We do so many promises on this show. Um, this will this will feed in nicely to what we're about to go into. We do so many promises on this show, like week to week, of what we're gonna do the next week, and very rarely do we ever fulfill them. <laughs> I mean, that's because we've got such like a bad knowledge of like what's coming out next week, and then some, some then suddenly something drops, and we're like, oh shit, let's do that. Let's so I propose. I propose we just stop saying what we're going to do the next week so that we stop either letting people down that or um, yeah or or maybe like stop setting expectations in an incorrect way. So yeah, we were saying last week that we were going to do a review of Demolition Man. Um so I still haven't watched it and I don't think you have either. No. No, because we um because a new film came out in the midst of that week and in in the midst and we decided to switch our attentions to that. So um sorry demolition fans, demolition man fans, dem- demolition fan mans, um we we apologize for not catering to you, especially if you spread the word to all the friends that you have that really like demolition man, and they were like, wow, I'm gonna finally tune into this podcast. It's like that was the. The turning point for me, once they said they're going to review this specific film from, like, the 90s or whatever, uh, I really like Sylvester Stallone, I'm going to finally tune in. And then it's like, no, we're going to throw you under the bus once more, because we are reviewing uh, uh, the the new, brand new Disney film, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. (laughs) Yes, we are. I mean, sorry to all you kind of Wesley Stallone and Sandra Bullock fans out there, but this one takes priority. But yeah, this one this one takes priority purely because it's new and it has a dragon in it. And as you all know, we are swayed quite easily by dragons. Um, oh yeah, we love a good dragon. We, we love a good dragon, exactly. So yeah, let's get into it. So first of all, it's called Raya and the Last Dragon. And that's because the main character's name is Raya and there is a dragon in this film. Review Spoilers, over. it is the last dragon. It is the last dragon. So let, let's let's get into a little bit of the details. So uh, uh, first of all, um, there th- this is all set in East Asia. So from from what I was reading, uh, the film the the film is like based on a number of different Southeast Asian island uh, countries. So uh, it's a combination of Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Myanmar, Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines, and Laos. It's quite cool. It's quite cool. I mean, like, you can really tell they've, like, scouted these locations, um, taken images, and really kind of did their best to, like, build a kind of world based on these areas. And to be fair, it looks beautiful. And they've done fantastically on that standpoint. Yeah, because Disney do this every so often where they'll, like, pick specific parts of the world to focus on. Um, So obviously, like, you know, Moana, they decided to focus on, like, the tropical islands and Hawaii. Polynesian stuff, and yeah. Yeah, and now we've got um, Southeast Southeast Asia. So uh, that's kind of the the main setting here. There's a lot of uh, Southeast Asian uh, imagery, and, like, I'll say this right off the bat, this film is pretty fucking beautiful. Like, the visuals in this film get quite nuts, and... Mm -hmm. They, they are really, really nice. But yeah, let's get into the plot. So we've got um, Raya, who is played by Kelly Mary Tran from the uh, Star Wars, last couple of Star Wars films. Uh, she was barely in the last one. <laughs> like, they, they did a day in the last one, but in in um, The Last Jedi, she, she was the girl who was like Finn's love interest and they went yeah. on the adventure yeah i think everyone knows her i mean like she got a lot of like unwarranted shit after that film because people yeah, i don't see people, why like, i thought she was pretty good 
Well, it's because people are racist, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, people so, are assholes. People, people are assholes, yeah, so they want a scapegoat because if you don't like the... They, they, the way they see it is like, oh, I didn't like this film, so let me blame this specific actor who's different from the film because it's clearly all to do with her. And it's like, no, it's, uh, it's you know... But anyway, people are assholes. We'll get into that later. Um, so <laughs> the film is uh, mainly centered on this idea of, like, a, uh, there was this one, like, Wonderland um, piece filled land uh, paradise called Kumandra back in the day and um, and then there was this like sort of like world changing event which um, ended up splitting all of Kumandra into different pieces and now they're all separate countries um, the <laughs> there's a clip show at the very beginning which like details the so what ends up happening is the dragons and they sacrifice themselves to save humanity from these bad people called the Droom, which is like this like malevolent cloud of evil kind of thing. Yeah, and that turns that ends people to stone. That turns people to stone and that ends up causing a war, which um, people which people end up fighting because like the only thing that's left is this like glowing ball of dragon energy or dragon magic. Yeah, so <laughs> um, the dragons basically sacrifice their lives to save humanity by combining their magic into a stone which they use to basically blast away the drone and basically de-stone all the people. Yes. And, and humanity, rather than kind of coming together after all this, they instead decide to fight over the, um, the sacred stone. And as a result, the entire land of Kumandra becomes fractioned into um, various parts. Um, it's, quite, it's quite cool there. I mean... The actual land of Kumandra is, is basically centered around a lake that's shaped, or like a river shaped like a dragon. So yeah. each fractured part takes its name from part of the dragon, which is quite cool. So you've got fang, tail, claw, spine, and heart. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, it's like um, the what I found quite funny about that is like you're not giving the fang people much of an option but to be evil. Because, like, spoilers, they're the bad guys for a lot of the film. And yeah. I was like, I mean, of course they're the bad guys because they're from fang. Like, that is the most malevolent part of the dragon out of all of the pieces that we have here. I mean, you're not going to have, like, um, who is it, Tail, who's like, oh, yeah, the Tail tribe are the bad guys. Like, no, it's obviously going to be fang. And that's I mean, the they, nation they that... Have, they could have easily called the Tail people with a butt. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like... You know, it's 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 not like one of them was turned around and it was got called like sphincter, and it goes, "Hey, you, you're from down there, you're sphincter," and they're like, "The reason we're at war here is because we really we would we don't want to be called sphincter anymore." And they're just like, "No, you're always going to be sphincter." <laughs> um, what I did notice though, what I did like one observation was that I feel like the um, the the colors that they all wear is quite significant. So like for example, Raya kind of looks like she's from the Water Tribe from Avatar, and yeah. It, I wonder if there is some sort of like significance to that design because a lot of the separate tribes wear quite similar colors to like in Avatar mm. where they're from different areas and I thought to myself I like the color schemes do do you think that they have any kind of significance in the Asian culture that it's based on because I think um, Avatar was based on a similar sort of um um concept right is like all these different tribes from different places all with like a a rivalry and like the you know what I mean yeah I mean Basically, um, I mean, some of the costumes they're wearing are like nods to, like, like you said, uh, different um, cultures having like various, uh, I don't want to say 
like various different things to wear. Um, mm. I think it's. I th- I felt like it was more of a nod to the fact that even though this the like Commander used to be one land, given how fractioned they are, everyone's become so different over the like the five hundred years. Yeah. No, Which I that's thought was, quite, which I was it, quite nice touch as well. Yeah, because um, what the basis is is that Raya's dad is like the the leader of the. Where's she from? No, oh, which part? Which heart? She's right. Heart. Yes. Yeah. So, so of course she's a good guy. She's because she's the heart people. <laughs> she's the, they're the heart people, and um, that's where the orb is kept, and the orb is like guarded by the heart people. Her dad is like the the chief of the heart people but also like keeping the orb safe and away from from the other tribes because what the orb does is it creates this like distrust between all the tribes because they think that anytime they want to talk to each other it's going to be to do with like taking that orb from one another it really becomes like the the MacGuffin of evil um, when you think about it basically yeah so like each country each other country believes that the the orb gives the heart people like general prosperity Mm-hmm. Um, when in fact that's false, it basically does fuck all, and it kind of sits there in their little in their little cave, and they just yeah. watch over it. Um, so, so yeah, go for it. I was gonna say so. Um, so starts off with the dad like kind of treat, uh, teaching Raya how to fight, and he ends up uh, like allowing her to become one of the guardians of the orb. Then the dad reveals to her that he's inviting uh, like basically all the other tribes of the different broken nations to come and join together once more because they all he really wants is Kumandra, which is uh, for them all to be united again. And she thinks that's being super optimistic because generally speaking, whenever they meet the other tribes, it's for the purpose of war. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's, he's like this complete optimist and it's, uh, it's like a, you know, you, you idealists basically. Yeah. And um, she, she just doesn't think it's going to happen, but they do invite all of the different tribes to come and have uh, food with them. And he makes a speech in front of all the different tribes once they do arrive. And uh, Raya eyes another girl who's around the same age from one of the other tribes from Fang. Um, and they end up becoming friends. And her name is Namari and she's played by Gemma Chan, who is English, by the way. <laughs> um, so they become friends, and then uh, Namari, like, to win over Raya, gives her a necklace of the dragon Sisu. Um, and she, you know, because they both turn out to be big dragon fans, big Sisu fans. Um, so Namari Point, then. Just pointing out, Sisu's the dragon that basically saves humanity. <laughs> by... well, y- yeah, so Sisu's like the fabled dragon that saved humanity, and everyone's like gushing over. Um, and, and she's built up as this, like, massive hero who has like all power and almighty and stuff um so raya takes like riot riot then takes namari to go and see the orb um and then as you would probably expect namari then stabs her in the back and then goes aha this is my chance to actually take the orb for the fang tribe because ultimately um all all acts of trust are met with betrayal (laughs) In this yeah. universe, uh, and it's it's worth pointing out also that um, she shows um, Raya a little scroll, um, mm-hmm. which has the kind of legend that basically after she shoots saved humanity, she's fallen unconscious and basically drifts along the one of the rivers tributaries along Kamandra. So basically, 
there's the legend that um, Shishu can be found in one of the ends of the rivers, which I thought was basically how the kind of plot comes about to find um, Shishu. Shishu again, yeah. Hmm. Um, so then basically after Namari starts fighting for the orb, they, they end up having a confrontation then she alerts the other Fang Warriors to come and help her steal the orb. Then this ends up with all of the different people from the different nations coming to the one room where the orb is kept. And um, they all have like a big-ass tussle for the orb, which ends up causing it to break. And as a result of the orb breaking, the protection from the dragons is now gone, which means that um, the Droon can actually come and... Uh, turn everybody as it is they can just come and turn everybody to stone um this is where i noticed and i'm, I'm sure you would have picked up the parallels too i, I wrote i the, in terms of the drone i can only really describe them as like calamity ganon <laughs> yeah they've, they've basically got the um kind of the purple energy <laughs> yeah they're just like malevolent fog calamity ganon kind of thing of just floating around and screaming at people and Whenever it envelops one of them, it, it turns people to stone. Um, so what ends up happening is they go outside and uh, Raya's dad, they're all running away from the drone, and Raya's dad realizes that the drone are afraid of water. So he gives Raya the remaining, like one of the pieces of the magical orb and then throws her in the river off of a bridge and saves her whilst everyone else gets turned to stone. <laughs> Yeah, super sad. Super sad. <laughs> and it's like, I damn mean, you, Calamity Ganon. We, we knew it was going to go this way, but god damn, it was so touching and heartfelt. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what you'd expect, really, because you can't have a Disney film without a parent dying, or a, a parent, like, sacrificing themselves. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's part of the Disney's kind of <laughs> MO, isn't it? Yeah, it's built into the DNA of making great films. <laughs> It's like that part in Toy Story where Andy's mum sacrifices herself to save his Buzz Lightyear toy, even though she doesn't know it has sentience. You know, like that was really touching. And I remember thinking as a child, why did she kill herself just to save a toy? Which, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but she did it, and it was. It gets me every time. It gets me every time whenever I watch that. Um, So we go to we cut forward to six years later so there was actually a longer period of time of people here turned to stone because <laughs> these people they're not like the the stone people aren't just dealt with like they're just left there in whatever position they were in um when they were turned to stone no, no one like held any funerals or anything for them they just left them like that so yeah. they're effectively just statues um so i like to know that these people were left to, like in those positions for six years that's longer than the people in avengers were snapped away <laughs> and that caused a massive issue when they got snapped back into reality. That these people were statues for six years. I wonder if, um, or at least six years. I wonder if they could still notice what was going on around them. Because otherwise, like, do you think their youth was preserved by becoming a statue? I, I don't know. There's so many questions that this film doesn't answer. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really answer that. To be honest, I mean, um, in series like um, the anime Doctor Stone, where people get turned to stone. People yeah. are still have some awareness, like they know that time is passing. Yeah. Um, so it does beg the question whether this is the case in this scenario. Um, I was thinking about Doctor Stone because when you, you remember you mentioning it, and I'm like, oh, that's weirdly similar. But then again, I guess people being turned to stone is nothing new. It's like no, very Medusa-esque, isn't it? Medusa and all that kind of stuff, like you said. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so Calamity Ganon has turned everyone to stone. Uh, Raya is now like a, a teen, from what I understand, because I think she was a child six years later, now she's a teen. And she's still with her, uh, who we haven't mentioned yet, her pet Armadillo, who is now this massive Armadillo uh, who still Same. has a baby face. And his name is Tuk Tuk. Um, so adorable. And I would like to mention, uh, sort of linking back to what we said before, I think this thing is a kaiju, um, because armadillos don't grow that big. And this thing is like the size of a boulder. It's got like a plated shell, and it's got like a fuzzy little face. It looks adorable. And it's voiced by... um, Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk, yeah, of course. Which I found so funny. Because when I looked at it, I was just like, what the hell? Tuk Tuk has a voice and it's like Alan Tudyk. I was like, what the hell? How did you get Alan Tudyk? Because all he does is grow, like make grunts and stuff, isn't it? He doesn't actually I mean, speak. Like, if, if, you need, uh, so if you need someone to lend their voice to like an animal mm. that's in any kind of situation, the general go-to is Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Alan Tudyk is like... I always every time I see Alan Tudyk, I think to myself that uh, he, I always think first and foremost he's Steve the Pirate from Dodgeball, and then oh, yeah. this oh yeah Alan Tudyk. Um, but he, you know, have you ever seen that clip? He because um, he he plays Clayface um, and a number of other characters, but mostly Clayface in the Harley Quinn TV show, the the cartoon, and um, the, there's bits where he's um, behind the scenes and he's like he says like a really stupid line and then turns around to the camera and just went you know I went to Harvard. <laughs> he's like i went to that's harvard brilliant. you know that's <laughs> it's brilliant. brilliant but yeah alan tudyk is her pet in this uh tuk tuk and uh effectively what Raya's doing is she's going on a quest following on from what amrick said earlier about the map she's now going to the different locations to try and find a way to resurrect sisu because everyone's turned to stone and she needs to find a way to save the world effectively and most importantly save her dad um so she actually goes to the water temple, or like the Talon temple, as like a last resort, and uh, asks Mushu, I mean Sisu, for help. And um, by by like kind of praying, she ends mm. up awakening Sisu, who is played by the comedian Aquafina. And um, C- Sisu awakens thinking like she is just in that moment from when she got turned to stone and she's just like kind of like oh my god it worked guys and then realizes that none of the other dragons are there and they're all actually dead um but then it gets revealed to us that like sisu for all that she was built out to be like this um great almighty being is actually like the weakest of the dragons and she was more like um just just kind of uh, a bit of a a joker if you know what i mean yeah i I love i love the way she describes herself as that person in the group project that kind of just turns up but still takes credit (laughs) Exactly, it was, it was a really good analogy. Um, what do you think about the Sisu characterization? Do you like Aquafina? I thought she was great. I thought like I, I thought she was brilliant. Like she yeah. like she had like a sense of like whimsy and like kind of I don't know how else to describe it. Like the character's immaturity, like she really captured that in the voice. Yeah, I, I know and what you mean. Kind of it, it was naivety that kind of came along with with that, the character. She really captures it quite well, I think. Um, I liked... But like what what that voice really reminded me of? It reminded me of um, Full Metal Alchemist and the voice mm. for um, Envy. In in the um, English dub, it really really sounded like the voice of Envy. Really? Yeah. It it, it made me do a double check, and I had to I had to double check to make sure that wasn't the same voice actor. It wasn't, of course. Yeah, yeah. 
I was going to say, because these anime ones tend to stay, like, they don't tend to do, like, the mainstream stuff, do they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I thought she was really well characterized. Like, she, you could see that, obviously, uh, Aquafina's a comedian, so she has the timing down and mm-hmm. uh, brought a lot of her own kind of uh, charm to it. Oh, but, uh, but, yeah, and uh, as, as, as usual with these sorts of things, uh, go... Like what ends up happening with a lot of these Disney films, like for example, Mushu and uh, and um, what's his face, the the guy that the Rock plays in Moana, for example. Like they build out these legends to be these almighty, powerful beings, and then they actually come to life, and they're just like really regular people, like regular yeah, people, or just, just like kind of underwhelming compared to how well people have like characterized them. Yeah, I like the 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 comparison I made earlier to Mushu is very similar in how yeah. in how uh, Sisu gets brought to life and it turns out to just be like a bit of a joker. It's, it's very similar. That's why I was like yeah, this is the Mushu thing all over again but I think I think Sisu has a lot of her own charm and makes it really fun. Um, she's a lot more naive, which is great. Like She's not cynical at all. She's really naive and uh, childlike almost which makes sense because she's the youngest dragon as well. So yeah. like she she was basically the the child dragon out of all of them. But yeah, um, so what we end up seeing is that after she awakens Sisu, she then like gets comfortable getting to know Sisu a little bit, a little bit. She realizes, oh wait, this is just like a uh, as we said, quite a naive dragon and <laughs> uh, a little immature. Uh, and then we get a clip of Namari, who's become like the the post apocalyptic bounty hunter. Um, <laughs> It reminded me a little bit of like Furiosa from the Mad Max Fury Road. Oh yeah, it's like half half yeah. of a head shaved and yeah, yeah, like badass kind of thing. There there always has to be one post apocalypse and bounty hunter, isn't it? When in these sorts of settings, who's got like their own tribe of people on the backs mm-hmm. of horses, like racing after people. I love it. I love that design. I just I just personally liked how that the Fang people had like used to wide cats. <laughs> yeah, those um, those like evil cat things, isn't it? Yeah. Perfect. Because like always say, movies need more cats. And... <laughs> this movie met the quota. Um, so they end up... Um, so, so what ends up happening is uh, R- Raya like, lets Sisu know about the quest to go and find the other pieces of the magic orb because she knows that she needs to restore the magic orb for Sisu to get back all of her powers to then like fully defeat the Droon. Mm-hmm. So what they end up doing is going to another one of the temples from the map that they get given, and they end up like she she you what you find out is that Raya's kind of like wisened up to the the tricks of the world kind of thing. So when she's going into the temple, she's the one who knows how to like offset the traps and stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. Sisu just like walks into them straight away, um, and and that's like it's a great um, uh, con- contrast between the two because you can see Sisu's like out of her element. She trusts everything, and Raya mm-hmm. is like cynical, and um, she's like learnt from her past mistakes kind of thing. Because yeah. what Ra- what they kind of go into is that Raya believes that this whole post-apocalypse world is her own fault for trusting Namari earlier, and yeah. that when she ended up getting her back stabbed. Um, and and the world went to shit. This is all Raya's fault. Like that's what she believes. So it makes sense that this is how her character progressed. Mm, I mean, like the whole kind of underlying like part of the plot is that things would work out better if just people kind of trusted each other as part of, like what um, Raya's father wanted. Yeah, exactly. And then it ends up being a lot of parallels between Sisu and Raya's father. Funnily enough. Um, so anyway, 
they end up getting the piece of the, the orb from theirs because what, what it turns out is that each of the different nations took um, a part of the original orb back to their own nation. Mm-hmm. So they're in, they're in the temple and what it turned out is that the person who took the orb went and hid themselves in this temple and then they died there of old age, it looks like. Because when yeah. Raya gets there, she's just like a skeleton. Um, but then she manages to, to get away from the trap, which fills like the the whole room with sand. Then Namari gets there, so they purposefully set off the traps and escape from the temple. Um, and uh, they end up quickly get into a boat, which is around a corner. And so, uh, so it's, it's like quite it's quite cool. So like each time they get a they get they give us part of the stone to Shishu. She gets uh, p- power from one of her siblings. So with mm-hmm. the stone she gets from like the um, temple, she gets the power to change into a form of a hu- shapeshift and change into a form of human. Yeah, um, which is like so, the most convenient one. For yes, blending which in. is like the most convenient one because um, basically the others don't find out that she's an actual dragon yet, which is fantastically useful. <laughs> um. That, exactly. Yeah, the others don't find out. It's like when, so as we were about to say, as they escape, they end up um, going onto a boat, which is like a restaurant kind of thing, and they meet the the owner of the restaurant. is is like a little boy named Boone, and um, he's like really fast talking, child captain, and, and charismatic. Um, he, yeah, he's like a proper restauranteur. Like he he wants to serve them really well and gives them good service. Um, and all they're like is like, just get us out of here. We'll give you money. Just like we need to escape to Talon. Um, so that's how Boone joins the crew, kind of thing, because he's just wrapped in wrapped up in it. Because he becomes like the boat, the the captain of the, their boat. Um, so they escape with him, um, and whilst um, they're trying to like uh, depart from the port. Uh, that they realize that the boat's like going really, really slowly away from it. So, uh, to speed things up, Sisu jumps in the water because, as it turns out, Sisu's inherent power is that she can swim ridiculously quickly. So, uh, she she just gets behind the boat and like pushes it really, really fast and ends up propelling it super quickly into the middle of the sea so that the the um, to the Fang soldiers and Namari can't catch up with them and obviously they can't swim. So they just retreat back to to Fang. Um, what we do get though is like a little great moment between Sisu and um, when she's describing the dragons because she says she's like the she describes the Drune as being like the opposite of dragons saying that they're like a relentless fire that turns everything to ash and I was like that's kind of what a dragon is <laughs> like but in she, every she, other she, medium she also describes them as basically born from people's like negative feelings for one of another yeah so it it's kind of like again playing on the fact that people have been like awful for so many years, and this is the result of it also. I wonder where the turning to stone thing comes from because it's a very random consequence. You know what I mean? Of like, it, uh, it, very, it very much is, and I think they've probably just pulled it from other kind of like legends from different kind of cultures, and just got to have some kind of consequence to all this going on. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just a bit of a strange one. I remember thinking, like, how come it doesn't just kill them? <laughs> like, Calamity Ganon kills. Why can't you kill Droon? <laughs> that's clearly what you're trying to be. Hey, man, Disney films can't be... <laughs> I mean, like, that's a lie. I mean, Disney films kill people all the time. <laughs> that's what I was about to say, yeah. And, like, you, you can argue Nintendo is just as child-friendly as Disney. <laughs> You'd expect, yeah, without, right? Without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> um... 
So, yeah, no, I just found it funny. I was just like, there's a very ironic twist on dragons because she's like, oh, yeah, the dragons are, are the opposite of, like, a relentless fire that turns everything to ash. And I'm like, man, have you have you not seen any other dragon in any other medium? Because, generally speaking, they're never the good guys. They're always, like, take Smaug, for example. Mm. They, they, they do exactly that. They just turn everything to ash and kill everyone. That's, that's the kind of the thing. That's what they do. <laughs> but, but in but in this the dragons like they're linked inherently to like rain and water and purity, which um it's more like they're like mythical, um they're like they're like uh, it's, religious it's dragons. More, it's more what you kind of associate with kind of Southeast Asian kind of thing kind of things. Okay, so is that derived? Is that where it comes from? Yeah, yeah, they're kind of like like depicted as more kind of benevolent and like yeah. That's fair enough. The people's kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So then what ends up happening is they escape to Talon, where... So so effectively, from this point onwards, um, it's kind of like... Uh, the best comparison, like, it's kind of like an RPG where they go from like one city to another, uh, recruiting one member to their party, and um, getting like the the MacGuffin from each of the cities to then progress with their quest. Like it really does follow that um, that formula. So they end up going to Talon, uh, which is a really cool place. If I'm not mistaken, Talon is the place where like everywhere is just got all the lanterns, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's like the kind of floating kind of river uh, marketplace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, Ryatal's Sisu's await on the boat, and um, as she, she needs to go and break into the castle to get the chief to turn over the orb. Um, as it turns out, uh, Sisu doesn't like to listen very much, so she goes for a walk. Raya then ends up finding on the street a baby who's just been left in an alleyway, uh, and... And as she goes to, like, pick up the baby to say whose baby is this, the baby steals a piece of um, the orb that Raya actually had, a couple of pieces, along with a couple of uh, monkeys. And the um, they basically, there's, like, this giant chase scene throughout the whole city where Raya's chasing after the baby. And she refers to her as the con baby. And I thought that was hilarious. And then, um, the, yeah, the, as I wrote here specifically, the con baby line kills me. But, I mean, I mean the... it's, it's brilliant. Like, you don't expect that at all, but, and it's fantastic to see the con baby in action. The con like... baby is an amazing, is, is, is hilarious because he's like, ador- she's like adorable. And mm. then she's like, her expressionism is so good. So, what ends up happening is when Raya finally catches up to them, she recruits them um, and, and says, like, if you guys go and cause a distraction on my behalf so I can break into the castle, that'd be great. And, like, I'll give you this and that. So, she ends up. Um, sneaking into the castle and as it turns out the person that she thought had the orb um, is actually not there because uh, yeah. as, as I said much like the other place that she went to um, the people who took the orb originally are no longer alive so uh, the person who she tries to steal it from tells her like is actually with someone else um, and then we cut back to Sisu so what Sisu's been doing in the meantime is she didn't stay on the boat she actually went around and um, she she basically wanted to buy a few things and buy some gifts to give to the um, to the leader of the Talon nation as like a exchange for giving the orb because she thinks that the best way to procure what she wants is through like treating people really nicely and exchanging gifts with them so she goes around picking up objects and saying that she'll pay for it with credit because she finally learns what credit is 
Um, and then the people in the town are just like, hey, wait a second, you know, who are you? Your, your credit means nothing because we don't know who you are. We can't trust you. Um, and then an old lady's like, hey, you know, we need to treat her well. And goes, oh, let, let me take you to the castle. I'll show you. And it turns out that the old lady is actually like the evil person who has her orb. <laughs> and um, she, she yeah. tries to lead Sisu into a trap. I thought that was a nice touch because like when Waya gets initially to that castle, she finds out that, yeah, the their boss isn't alive anymore but the fl- flower guy that she does bump into there says we currently have the most vicious ruler ever in history and yeah. it turns out to be the little old lady <laughs> I, mean, I, thought that was little... a, I thought that was really quite cool um that was, that was it's a great because moment. it's because uh shishu mentions that um why has two orbs that the old lady mm-hmm. takes an interest in shishu in, in her human form and leads her to um, a little room, basically, where it's a trap where she's confronted with two Druun. Yeah, so the the idea is that the Druun can't go near water, and uh, a lot of these cities are built with water around them to purposefully draw away with the Druun. Um, but as soon as she gets out of the city gates, the Druun can then attack her. <laughs> so the leader, like, basically pushes her out of the city gates and just like, you know, you've got to give me the other pieces, otherwise you're going to get turned to stone, etc., etc. Um, and then in the last second like Raya comes to rescue Sisu and it's just like you scolds her like you shouldn't be so trusting they nab the uh, piece of the orb that the older lady had and um, as it turns out it um, it causes Sisu to produce like fog <laughs> that, that's like the power it gives her so that they use that to escape yeah I thought that was a weird one to be honest, <laughs> that was a, that was a weird one. Yeah, it was a it was very specifically like a, it's like the smoke bomb from Batman. That's that's the best way to put it. It's like having a permanent smoke bomb. Um, so yeah, they end up escaping. The con baby joins the crew. So now they have uh, Boone and the con baby and the two monkeys uh, on on the ship with them, and they make their way to the next place and this is where I wrote as a, as a note that I was like this film would make for a good metroidvania with all the aggregated power-ups that Sisu gets like you know then being able to use them the fog to unlock new areas and stuff that's what that's right up my street um yeah that would work then, really well actually yeah I, I, I love progressive uh, power-ups throughout a game um then they end up going to the next place, which is Spine. And um, when they get there, it's basically a ghost town. Um, and they end up getting captured by um, by by this, this stranger. So what ends up happening is they realize, like, no one's there. And they, they got warned beforehand that, like, Spine is full of the most ruthless warriors ever. And they're going to be in trouble when they get there. But as it turns out... Um, it's just this one guy by himself in the entire nation um, mm-hmm. because everyone else has been turned to stone as it turns out um, and his name is Tong and he's played by Benedict Wong who is actually Wong from Doctor Strange <laughs> yeah yeah it's weird like because I literally just watched Doctor Strange we watched Doctor Strange last week after oh, yeah. after we spoke about um, Division, and mm-hmm. to hear his voice come back and I was like damn that's Wong <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they make, like, calling back again to Mulan, like, this guy looks exactly like the bad guy from Mulan. Like, exactly mm-hmm. like him. He looks like the Hun. Um, he really, they, they he really him. does, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, uh, basically, he captures them, and then uh, and they kind of realize that, like, he's alone, and, and it becomes, like, a sort of small redemption arc where he goes, okay, fine, instead of... Um, 
in, instead of capturing you guys and holding you hostage, I'm just going to join you instead. Because then what ends up happening is Namari and the Fang soldiers come to the Gate of Spine, and they're like demanding Faraya to to come out and uh, surrender the orbs. And the the Fang soldiers have all got like their archers are all um, pointing their fire arrows at Spine, just like we'll burn the whole place down unless you surrender her. So. They decide, okay, we're just going to go out the back way and Raya's going to create a diversion. So Raya leaves out the front gate um, and prepares to face Namari and uh, the rest of them go out the back. And in order to, like, keep her occupied, Raya, like, antagonizes Namari and says, like, um, it's because you can't beat me one-on-one, which is the reason why you need your army. So then obviously (laughs) Namari falls for it and calls down the army so that they can have, like, a one-on-one um, weapons fight kind of thing so like the fight was really cool and uh, it was really awesome to see like the fighting styles between the two yeah I mean uh, like, I was, ap- exactly. apparently like Raya's fighting style is kind of based on like Indonesian martial arts and, and uh, Namari's like, Mai Tai yeah and, yeah and Namari was Mai Tai from Thailand it's like it's really cool to see that and basically uh, Namari kicks her ass yeah <laughs> Namari kicks her ass once all the weapons are down, especially like she doesn't stand a chance. Like she gets her, she gets her ass handed to her, and because Sisu can see it happening, Sisu then barges in at the last minute and like tries to scare away all the soldiers and yeah. um, create a she bunch tra- of fog. She, trans- she transforms into the dragon again and reveals herself, and yeah, exudes a little fog. And Namari has a moment with her when that yeah. happens because like she's trying to scare Namari and Namari's like looking into her eyes and starts crying kind of thing mm-hmm. so you can see that um, that whole uh, dragon nerd thing that she claimed to be earlier isn't isn't a ruse or anything like she actually was obsessed with Sisu yeah, definitely, and to definitely. see her meant a lot to her um, and, th- and that kind of moment that uh, speaks to Sisu as well because Sisu realises like Namari is it, she's worth saving like she's not completely irredeemable and that yeah. they should try and reach out to her and stuff um which is a nice moment you know it's like it's it's sisu kind of try, kind of being sisu and uh like having that naivety but childlike kind of um trust for everyone which raya obviously doesn't have so right raya sees namari as the enemy and only the enemy whereas sisu's like we need to reach out to her because we can win her over yeah yeah, I thought that was really sweet, and it it really really plays into like, like you said, uh, she's she's like really trusting, kind of almost the kind of like the naive ability to like trust anyone. Mm-hmm. I do I do love that, and like I think it plays really well. Yeah, it's it's nice it's a nice contrast to Raya especially. Um, so what ends up happening is they all join together and go on the boat. So now it's kind of like the full crew. And um, as I said, it reminds me, I, like, I love a story where um, you get like a band of misfits coming together, probably because of my love for JRPGs, because that's kind of what that is, isn't it? It's like a, a band of people who don't belong together coming together all under like a single cause. I love that shit. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Like, it's, it's a, it, like you said, it's the basis for many, so many great games. Exactly. Um, and then uh, what happens after that so they end up going so, to so that, that stone gives base um shishu the power of uh, like rain as well doesn't it yeah and what we find out is that when it's raining the dragons can like walk on the rain kind of thing yeah it's, it's quite a cool technique they kind of like kind of like 
dance like create little platforms and dances across the air on them. It's it's quite incredible to see, gotta say. Oh, like, right. the, the, and the animation behind it's like fantastic, the fluidity and everything. Yeah. It's it's cool to see them do the dragon, the, the rain walking. And um I was gonna say, so basically this is where it, they end up doing a flashback to like what actually happened in the world and, and like when Kumandra split, because um <laughs> what happens is Sisu reveals herself to be Sisu, like, the dragon to the rest of the crew, because at first they just know her as Sisu, like, the the girl, like, the naive girl, and it turns out they're like, holy shit, you were a dragon this whole time? You were, like, the dragon of, of legend. Oh, like, great, Sisu, you know, we're not worthy kind of thing. And and she's just like, yeah, hey, guys. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's still me. Um, and what she does is she ends up telling them the story of, like, how Kumandra split the first time round. Um, so what it was is that the Droon were, were basically had, like, wiped out most of the dragons. There were only six of them left, um, I think. And they all come together to, like, join their power to make the, the magic orb that is then left in... in uh, Sisu's care and Sisu uses it to, to keep all of the Droon away and I wrote that the, the dragon gem is basically like a dragon spirit bomb against the Droon like that is the best way I can describe it the way that they give her their power they're just like we'll give you your energy and then she uses that to just wipe out all of the Droon in one go basically yeah and unlike, and unlike in Dragon Ball this actually works first time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it surprisingly works, and uh, that's kind of how Commander split the first time because then they're like, "Well, all the dragons are dead, or they're all they're turned to stone." So that is the dragon's ultimate sacrifice. But here we are now, however many years later. Um, so this part of the story where we then see Namari going back to Fang, and she's like, kind of herself has turned a little bit um, into thinking, oh no, I, I want to be on Sisu's side. And so she's, Namari's talking to her mother and saying like, Sisu is real. Um, I, I, we can actually have unity. And, um, and basically her mum turns around and just says like, yeah, but we don't want unity because everyone else blames us for the split. And, um, you know, we, we live in security here and we need to expand. Like her mum is the imperialist. And her uh, her mum, her mum kind of turns her back onto her side, basically. Yeah. And it, it and as it kind of turns out, it's like the villain sort of shifts from Namari to her mum, yeah. um, a little bit, and we end up with her mum kind of going like, you know, our our nation is expanding more and more and more. We need to start taking over the other nations to like have the necessary amount of land, which is kind of nonsense, um, because you can see clearly that there's like a stupid amount of land that the Fang people have in their massive city. So yeah, so yeah, I mean like. I think it's mainly because they need to build areas around moats just to kind of like like the other places keep out the droon to keep out the droon, but yeah, yeah you're basically right on that one. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's such like a spacious like area. That fang yeah. is like it looks like a proper kind of decadent, like spacious marble kind of marble stone kind of thing. <laughs> it looks like where the rich people live, like. The typically rich people would all be in one place. They'd all be in ta- and they'd all be in Fang. <laughs> they oh, wouldn't yeah, be in any of the definitely. other nations. <laughs> um, the the basically what ends up happening is Raya, Raya gets told by Sisu like Sisu's like you know I think Namari can be turned, 
onto our side because I had a moment with her and Araya's like super super skeptical of her because she knows like she's been hurt by Namari before she's been betrayed by Namari before so she doesn't like have time for Sisu's suggestions so what they end up doing is um, devising a plan to get to try and get Namari to talk with them so uh, they actually sneak in to uh to, to deliver a message to Namari to say like meet in this specific place on like a cliff so that we can talk to you and it's like from Sisu um and I wrote that I, I wrote here that the when the monkeys because what they do is they get the the com baby and the monkeys to like sneak in and deliver the message and when the monkeys are sneaking I've, wrote, I've written it's like Metal Gear Simeon <laughs> so, because the they're just like sneaking around, all the guards and stuff, and uh, they successfully deliver the message to Namari, who ends up meeting him on the cliff. And um, this is where it all goes down because Raya is still extremely skeptical of of Namari. Sisu's just like having a chat with her, and then Namari like, um, she they, they she lays out the orb, doesn't she, for yeah. Raya and them, and says like, "Wow, Sisu," um, and then. Uh, when when Raya brings out her orbs, then Damari like suddenly pulls her bow on her. Yeah, my heart dropped when that happened. Because <laughs> you can you can kind of guess it was for, because of where it was in the film's like runtime. Yeah. You kind of knew that there would be like another betrayal. So Namari Namari pulls a bow on Raya and Sisu, and um, Raya then pulls her like uh, her sword bow whip. sword whip. Sword sword whip on uh, Namari because it's just like, no, I don't trust you, you don't trust me. Sisu then tries to have like a compassionate talk <laughs> with Namari and so like, you know, you're not actually bad, Don't you don't have to do this, blah, blah, blah. And as she's talking to her, Namari's got the bow pointed at her. You can see that her finger is on the trigger and as like a, because she jumps at it, Raya ends up hitting its, um, her, her sword whip at Namari's bow and she lets go of the trigger and shoots Sisu in the stomach with a bow <laughs> and then Sisu ends up falling off the cliff in like super dramatic fashion and falls into the water and dies and that's it that's the end of the film yeah super like you knew it was gonna happen but you're like god damn <laughs> yeah. why, why does this have to happen so so um, Raya feels bad about this, obviously, and she, like, blames Namari completely. The world then goes to shit because the dragon energy is, like, running out. So yeah, all the different cause, pieces cause are, like, waiting. Because Shishu's died, like, pretty much all the water disappears as well from the world. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, with, which is its own problem because, like, people being turned to stone is one thing, but, like, all of the world's water running out would probably be the bigger killer. <laughs> yeah, most likely, and, like, given that, like... <laughs> all the fish would die as well, like, a lot of the food chains would be really messed up as well. Yeah, like, you know, all the water going would basically kill us all within a day, <laughs> is pretty much the best way to put it. Um, so yeah, Sisu dies, um, Namari runs away, and Raya goes after her, and Namari goes back to Fang, and finds out that her mother has been turned to stone, because the June are already at work, they're uh, gone and, like, turning everybody to stone, and then... Um, we get this like real fucking badass final confrontation between Raya and Namari because like Raya's super pissed off and she goes charging after her and the others are like chasing after Raya just like you know don't do this we need to start saving people because the the different pieces of the dragon orb are still kind of functional but not really yeah. like you can see that the power is running out yeah it's and, flickering it's losing its light and like Raya don't give a fuck Raya just wants to go and kill Namari like that's, that's the only thing on her mind she's so angry at her like, um, it, and it's, it's a super messed up scene because like you said like 
um, Raya totally blames uh, Noari for this, and then Noari, who's seen, has seen that like the druids infiltrated the city, and that her mother's been turned to stone. She basically blames Raya for that. So yeah. it makes for like a super climatic fight, without a doubt. And that fight was so cool because you end up getting like the best fight in the whole. Okay, I was gonna say the best fight in the whole film, but like there's only two. But still, it's it's a really really well done fight. And um, meanwhile, the rest of them are all like working together to try and save the people away from the druid. Um, Ryan Namaro just going at it, and what ends up happening is the the floor kind of collapses. Yeah. yeah. And. I mean, like, the rest of the team are totally more focused on saving the city. Like, they're really the MVPs in, in this one. Yeah, and I think the point of it is that, like, the rest of the team show that they've, like, transcended the tribalism that yeah. the, that everybody was showing at the very beginning of the film because, ultimately, the team is made of people from different tribes hmm. and yet they've all come together and, like, are working together and they're showing that they're that they are the poster children of like how it, of unity and they are like kumandra in itself um so they 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 are united in like helping the city and helping people escape but really it's all for nothing because the druid are going to get them anyway and that's kind of what happens because most of the people get turned to stone and um this is where the floor collapses and in the very bottom of the city is like full of druid and you've got the the team and then Namari, they're all together at the very bottom and they're fighting off the Druun, but they can't really do anything. They're inevitably going to get turned to stone. And that's when Raya realizes that the the key to the dragon's magic all along was what was what CC was trying to say, was that it's trust. Trust is what fights off the the Druun and like saves everyone. So Yeah, exactly the exact the exact same thing that Head Father was preaching all along. Yeah, pretty much, is that just have to trust each other. So Raya graciously says, I trust you to Namari, and gives her the piece of the, the dragon orb that she had. And they all, one by one, give the piece to Namari. Um, and was, then Namari was, tries to leg it. <laughs> it, it, was really, it was really, really sweet, because like, the words literally echo in like uh, Raya's head of Sishu saying, sometimes you've got to be the one to take the first step. Yeah. And she, and she does it. She overcomes, so her arc is like overcoming the distrust that she had for everyone. And, you know, this is reflected in moments in the film. Like, for example, when uh, Boone tries to give her food, she thinks it's poisoned. Yeah. And, like, she's just completely distrustful of everyone because of how Namari hurt her, because um, obviously it was like such a big betrayal. And mm. now she's having to come overcome that by giving and trusting Namari herself to save the world. I mean, isn't that all what Disney films are about, though? Just overcoming your trauma? Kind of. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> as a, as a, yeah, that's a fitting way to put it. Um, like in Toy Story, where Andy overcomes his trauma about his mum and, <laughs> you know, writes his name on the bottom of Woody's shoe, I think, and says, like, you know, you are my property. And I don't know. I haven't watched Toy Story in a while. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I've, I think the last time I watched Toy Story was... Oh, I watched the latest one. That wasn't too bad. I liked the latest one. That's good. But anyway, um, so back to Ryan and the dragon. So uh, effectively, Namari thinks about running away. Uh, she like tries to escape, then turns around, looks at everyone, turned to stone, and they're basically turned to stone because they trusted her. So she goes back, puts the dragon orb together, it then like revives all the dragons and 
kills all the Dune, and then and, and, and that's like what saves the day. Namari actually ends up saving the day, Sisu gets revived, um, and all the other dragons, even the ones from like before, and it's now raining, the Dune are all gone, and uh, Sisu then like flies down, says hello to everyone again, like is celebrating, they all celebrate together, uh, mm. and finally Kumandra is achieved. <laughs> I mean, is this, it was a super beautiful, beautiful and touching moment though, when each one finally decides to trust and they lay down their stones, and then they get turned to stone themselves. I like that they, like, go and, like, uh, they, hug they, each other. Yeah, they <laughs> lay down their stones, then they come back to Raya, and they kind of just, like, hug each other. Yeah, and then in, get turned in to stone. Kind of, in, <laughs> like, you can see the fear in their eyes, like, they trust each other. They're, they're, tr- they're trying to trust each other, but they're still so scared. You, you, you know what is trust? The fact that Raya kind of, like just said to to all of them that this is what we need to do and the baby like she trusted the baby to understand what she's saying <laughs> that is, that, that's that's just that's like the biggest trust fall ever isn't it <laughs> it's just like you know what this baby is barely able to walk but like i'm gonna trust that she fully comprehends what we're trying like that baby is a genius the fact that she's fully understanding everything that they're telling her <laughs> I mean, it's, but, it was quite cool i've got to say yeah, and then yeah, all the dragons come back to life. There's rain everywhere. The dragons are all like, uh, just hopping around in the sky. Uh, Ryan's dad comes back to life as you'd expect, and he's like, "Wow, you had the trust in you all along." Uh, and she's like, "Look, this is Sisu, and also, we have now achieved Kumandra, and they're all happy." And uh, that's kind of it. That's Raya and the dragon, <laughs> last dragon. I mean, it was beautiful though, like the end when like, she finally gets to see her father again. Yeah. And all the families reunite with their loved ones. Uh, Tom gets to go see his family again, his village back to life. And all the, the baby goes to find her mum. The and baby goes to see his mum. And the kid Boone. goes gets, Boone gets to go see his family again. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, everyone converges onto her. And they finally have that wonderful meeting where they're all back together. Yeah, and then it's like it just shows that in the future they all like kind of live happy ever after, as you'd expect. Um, in terms of like specific things from this film, so like more of like a review sort of thing. Um, in terms of the visuals, like there are a lot of scenes which have a, a pink hue in the sky that contrasts the really beautiful greenery. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, there's a scene in the dragon graveyard um, when they're showing like where all this <laughs> dragons were turned to stone and. You can see the 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 sky contrasting the the grass. It just looks absolutely beautiful. Um, there there are quite a number of like amazing, uh, uh, amazingly well done scenes in this, like color wise. Uh, for example, the lanterns, as I said before, in Talon, there are moments that um, switch it to. Oh, sorry, <laughs> so the characters are like telling their own stories and um, the, the plans of what they're about to do, and it switches to other art styles. I thought that was really cool. Um, in like even the textures of the food within the film is really pretty. <laughs> so like they show Boone's soup a number of times when they're on the boat, and I thought like that looks amazing. Oh, the actual textures of the soup. <laughs> yeah, like um, his like yeah, I think yeah, it really hit in the fu- in the like the first start of the movie. Where mm. the, her father's making the soup for like the other tribes to come visit, like that looked amazing. I really wanted that soup. <laughs> and uh, I was like, when the gem at the end of 
at the end works. It's kind of like an Aurora Borealis effect in the sky um, that brings upon the the rain. That was a really nice visual. Um, the multitude of multicolored dragons at the end that were walking on the rain, as we mentioned before, that was amazing. Um, and I, I think, like, in general, this film, like, really drove home that I wish I could have watched this in the cinema kind of feeling because I feel like the visuals would have had even more of an impact that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, seeing in the seeing this film anything above 1080p would have been perfect, to be honest. <laughs> no, but this is what I mean, is that it really makes you kind of wish that we were back to normal life just because this film, um, colour-wise, is so vivid and, and beautiful that I kind of wish I did see it... Um, in, in a much nicer quality. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have to make do with what we do have available to us. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. I mean, this film was, was was meant to come out in, like, November. Yeah, if it was delayed by... Yeah, because of everything that's going on, year. it's been, like, delayed till March. But, it, but regardless, I really enjoyed this film, I've got to say. Yeah, uh, it's been a good one. In terms of, like, where it mounts up in, with, like, Disney's release, like, current releases, um, mm-hmm. I did still enjoy Soul a bit more. But yeah, no me doubt, too. This is still a fantastic film to watch, and I would definitely recommend going to see it. Soul, Soul is a very different kind of film, to be honest with you. Like yeah. it was a lot more ex- existential and uh, less like whimsy, because this this is more. It's trying to tell a tale. Yeah. Um, Soul was more. It's trying to tell a meaning or mm. a message, mm. if you know what I mean. But in terms of, but in terms of like sheer enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, I, I know I'd what say, you mean. I'd say Soul's a better watch. But in terms of like wanting like a fantastic like tale, world building, some background, different cultures, um, kind of like different cultures being shown, um, yeah, this is a fantastic film to watch without a doubt. So what I'm seeing is that uh, it's a little bit, little bits of trivia as we said earlier. The uh, land of Kumandra is inspired by all the different Southeast Asian islands and countries. Um, <clears throat> another another bit of trivia, which is definitely not directly ripped from IMDb. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first Walt Disney Animation Studio f- uh, fantasy film since since Brother Bear in 2003 to not be a musical. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So I get I get mixed up a lot between like what's Disney Animation and what's uh, like. Pixar and I, I don't know oh, if it's just oh, yeah, me. Oh yeah, same without a doubt. No, I definitely do get the two confused. Yeah, especially because they look so similar. Like I, you know, for example, Frozen and Tangles, they're Disney animation. They're not Pixar. Mm. No, that's um, true. But but if you told me that they were Pixar, I'd I'd hundred percent believe you because yeah. I, I used to think they were. I just assumed they were all Pixar because it's like why would Disney buy Pixar and then not just use it all under the Pixar's banner? You know what I mean? Yeah, true, <laughs> true. I mean, um, I'm kind of looking at IMDb trivia as well. So, why mm-hmm. is basically the fourth Disney princess not to have a love interest after Merida, Elsa, and Moana? Yes. Which I think is fantastic because, like, adding anything Fuck like that, in, <laughs> adding anything like that into a film like this is like kind of it's just so unnecessary. Yeah, it'd, it'd kind of like divert from this. Yeah, but it'd, it'd be a distraction. It really, in this it really kind film. of did, yeah, like I said, detracts from like the main issues going on. Yeah, and it's it's nice they don't kind of pull that shit anymore. And to be honest, like I think, especially with those last few protagonists you've just mentioned, they're they're all on the younger side, mm, and I think maybe Disney, yeah. like Disney, have wised up to not kind of put people no, don't no, don't hitch no, people no, up no, when no, they're too young. Ugly bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like if they're doing stories about adults. It's okay, but when they're quite young, especially because you see like a child Raya and stuff, it's mm. kind of like you don't want to 
you don't want to kind of, especially in this modern day and with the sensibilities we do have in society, you don't really want to go into that kind of stuff, in my opinion. Not very true, very true. With, with, with them being children, effectively. Um, but yeah, no, I think overall, overall, it was a fun time. Uh, it was, I don't obviously regret watching this. I think it was really fun and whimsical. And I liked that like a lot of the cast were in themselves, like Asian people, uh, East Asian people. Um, I think it was good. It was a good time. And uh, yeah, what, what do you think overall? Yeah, fantastic. It's nice to see some like Asian representation in the voice cast as well. I mean, mm-hmm. like largely aside from Alan Tudyk. Yeah, except for Alan Tudyk. They're all like a pretty Asian. They're all an Asian cast, which is fantastic to see. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I watched this one. It was it's fantastic, really enjoyable. Yeah, and like you, you really get what you pay for with like a Disney uh, animation. And you know, you know, yeah. you know, you're into like a safe, good watch. It kind of, yeah, I was about to say the bat the batting average is fairly good for for Disney animation, Disney cartoon films, if you know what I mean in general. Like, uh, yeah, the live live action adaptations are obviously a bit of a mixed bag, but in terms of the animated stuff, generally speaking, it's all good. So, yeah, it's kind of exactly where I thought it would be, like warm and warm and fuzzy and fun, and uh, has has like really funny moments and. Um, the characters are quite like it, it, over the top and in your face, but like in a fun kind of way, not in like a annoying way, mm. you know. But yeah, I, I think overall, Ryan Dragon is is a good time, and uh, you know, if I'm, I'm assuming you would have w- watched it if you're listening to a review, but if you haven't, give it a go, even though we've just spoiled it all for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely give it a go. It's it's really enjoyable. I gotta say. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, I guess now would be a good time to move into our next section, which is always like the the grey area of the podcast, the third section of the podcast, where we kind of just make it up as we go along, the like the catch-up bit slash Amrik's Anime Corner. So what, what do you want to do? Are you, have you got some anime to talk to us about this week, Amrik? Anime. So um, we're coming towards the end of March. Um, series like Black Clover are coming towards an end um for the spring season um mm-hmm. so it's coming up nice quite nicely to like the peak of where everything's kicking off i would definitely recommend tuning into that if if you're able um i'm currently carrying on watching uh, another anime at uh, the time i got reincarnated into a slime also mm-hmm. fantastic things are really kicking off there i don't want to do any have you have you heard about this anime at all is it dragon quest related it it kind of is, yeah. So you basically it starts off with a guy who unfortunately dies within the first three minutes of the episode, and mm. he gets reincarnated as a slime in a like a kind of fantasy world. Okay. And he, for some reason, for various reasons, he gets extremely overpowered very very quickly, and he gets <laughs> super strong, gets various other abilities which he commandeers from other organisms. And he basically becomes he almost basically becomes a god. <laughs> so it's it's fantastic to watch. Things are really kicking off. I would definitely recommend watching it. It's only two seasons out at the moment, so it's uh, quite easy to catch up on. Is it like a power trip anime where oh. you know you just you, it's like he gets more powerful and it makes the audience feel weirdly empowered? You're like aha, take that people well, out to them. At, at the moment, yes. Like you've got people that so he's become like a really like. 
benevolent ruler, very very kind ruler of like mm-hmm. um, a group of monsters. He's basically like created a city of like monsters, and mm-hmm. you've unfortunately had some people who tried to wipe his city out, and he's basically creating like some. He's dish, dishing out the wrath at the moment on these people that try to wipe out his city of monsters. Fair enough. <laughs> so it's, it's a fantastic series to watch. It's really in- enjoyable. It does, like, pull loads of elements from various kind of, like, RPGs, uh, which are quite big in Japan, like tr- like Dragon Quest. But, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm loving it at the moment, I've got to say. It's fantastic. The animation's brilliant. Uh, we'll definitely recommend giving it a go. Okay. I'm going to look into that one. That's my fucking growing list of anime that I need to look into. <laughs> uh, we've also got new things coming on soon. I mean, the Bleach anime is meant to be starting sometime this year. I'm not entirely sure if they actually do have a date for it yet. Hmm. Um, and then I think this summer we're going to start the new series of My Hero, which should be quite interesting. Finally, because that's been more than like a year since that season three ended, right? Season yeah. four? ended so um yeah it's like it's been a, a whole year and and more of no my, my hero it's been a bit strange to be honest because mm. like it's been a it's been a consistent series in terms of production but obviously because of the pandemic has been held back a little bit um so it'll be good to have that back on like a weekly basis yeah definitely i mean we're also it also it's it's also getting dangerously close to the manga so oh, really? they've need they need a Hopefully they'll start pacing things. They will. They will probably will start pacing things to, kind of create some more breathing room. Okay, I didn't think uh, they were that close because I thought like the manga was quite a while ahead. I mean, the anime's caught up quite quickly. I've got to say. So what did that last season do? Like a fuck ton of progress or uh, go? Basically, yeah. Uh, I mean, you've. Be- I think you've got one, two. You probably got one, two, three more arcs until we basically catch up to the the manga. And given that each season does about two arcs, yeah, we're we're getting yeah. there basically. Yeah, because last season was overhaul and then school dance, yeah. and then this next one. I mean, I don't know what comes next because obviously I don't read the manga, but I I mean I'm I'm looking forward to see what they do next. I mean, how many more years of high school does he have? <laughs> He's still in his first year. Fucking hell! Yeah. They've really, really he's, dragged he's, out this he's first. He's hell of a year. Yeah, that's that's. I was about to say you'd have expected him to, because it's like five seasons already, right? Yeah, I think so. Is it five or four? Or oh, this is the fifth? I'm not sure. <laughs> that's like one hectic year. Yeah, it really is. I'm like surprised he's got any studying done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, do you think they learn stuff outside of being a hero? Yeah, just like yeah, they, like they do no. like average classes like math, English, and that kind of stuff as well. There's like a few, do, right? yeah, there's a few episodes where they're like, okay, and now it's a math lesson, and everyone's like, oh for fuck's sake. <laughs> I feel like I remember them because I haven't watched it in quite a while now. I haven't like rewatched it in quite a while, but I remember them being like one episode where um, uh, like Yoyoru has to help them study because yeah. she's like really smart, and some of the students are quite dumb, so she invites them to her house to like do a study session and stuff. Yeah, so uh, this coming season is the fifth season that will start this year. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really like My Hero, but from what I understand, like the manga took a bit of a turn and people don't like it as much now? Or is that just, is that just online? <laughs> um, so it's getting some mixed um, bits at the moment, to be honest. I mean, I've, I'm up to date with it, and I've kind of 
taken a bit of a break from the manga at the moment, and I'm several chapters behind. Are you are you not liking it, or is it just it's a bit much? It's a bit much, so I've kind of just taken a bit of a break, and I will get back into it at some point. Okay, cool. Nice. But uh, um, I think whatever. that's about it for my anime roundup. I think Jujutsu Kaisen's coming to a finish in the next few weeks for us also. Which mm. is sad, because gotta say, that fantastic first season, I've gotta say. I mean, it's good enough to want make me want to start reading the manga and reading all of the manga. How much? How many shows do you, like, concurrently watch and read the manga? So, currently, I am reading the mangas for... Bear in one second. Golden Kamoi, which is fantastic. Dragon Ball Super, My Hero Academia. Um... One Punch Man, both the comic and the manga, and Black Clover, Jujutsu Kaisen, and I'm going to start doing uh, Record of Ragnarok soon, and maybe God of High School. Fair enough, that's a fair few. Yeah, so it's a lot of reading. <laughs> you um, with Dragon Ball Super, I know like they're they're going in a certain direction as well. Um, obviously without going into too much into spoilers or anything, have you been enjoying that? I have, I really have. I mean, the fight against, um, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> Let's just say it's enjoyable. Because uh, people said, like, after they diverted from the anime, so after they go past the stuff where the anime finished, it became, like, better than the whole of Super uh, and the anime. I mean, yeah, it was it was fantastic stuff. It's so well written, and I would love to see um, the latest stuff get turned into an anime also. Or even a movie would be, would be fantastic. Um, just because, like, the fighting scenes are fantastic. You've got some classic Goku pulling some bullshit. Um, <laughs> you've got Vegeta, like, um, demonstrating some fantastic new skills. And, yeah, it's really interesting, I've got to say. Because people said, like, one of the big parts about this recent stuff is, like, Vegeta's got his own... He's actually got, like, a character arc in this. Like, there's no... It's not just... Because... You know, the classic uh, pitfall with Vegeta's character is that he kind of peaked in Z, yeah. um, where he had his redemption. Yeah. And then after that, they didn't really know what to do with him other than to just be, like, another pair of fighting hands to help Goku. Because once he became, like, redeemed and became the dad and became, like, Bulma's husband whatever, um, there, there was no more evil Vegeta to atone for kind of thing. Yeah, true. Um, and and uh, from what I've heard, uh, this recent stuff has actually been giving Vegeta some like development and um, and help making him do like even more in terms of redeeming himself and uh, I don't know I, mean, I don't know the specifics but like <laughs> if it's anything to go by what people are being saying online I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with it yeah 100% you get a lot of um, development with Vegeta and like I said he develops a lot of new skills and a lot of new techniques and it looks like he's going to be doing a little bit more also to develop himself in terms of his fighting ability, which sounds very yeah. interesting, uh, kind of the prospect, he, the kind of road he's going down and who's going to be training him. Because you've mm -hmm. got the direction that Goku's going in for his training, then you've got the director direction for Vegeta, and it's they're going in opposites, and it's fantastic to see, and I'm really interested to see how it's going to work out. But like I said, I don't want to okay. um, ruin any details for you, cause if it does get in turn into anime which god i hope it does it's gonna be yeah. fantastic to watch i think it would definitely benefit super for like the anime to be ahead of it mm. and then for them to like just um make an anime of what is already set out and then correct any issues that there were in the manga because i feel like one of the reasons why super was quite hit and miss with a lot of um 
its episodes and the pacing and stuff was that there wasn't like you know the the original show didn't mm-hmm. it, it it would always follow the anime yeah. um, the manga sorry so super didn't have that benefit and that kind of yeah. probably set it back a little bit mm. to be honest because there was so much filler in, yeah. in super yeah <laughs> but yeah um, it is fantastic we're definitely going to be doing um, the currently what I'm reading One Punch Man both the manga and the original webcomic because they've also yeah. kind of taken two slightly different directions but they're still making out to be fantastic reads and I can't wait for the next season of One Punch Man to come out when it actually does come out so is One Punch Man the webcomic still going? I thought it was like a webcomic originally and then it it became successful enough that it became a manga so the webcomic's currently ongoing by the uh, mangaka one um and then the the manga's been developed from that, and it's yeah. they're both they're both still ongoing basically. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. So one is like based off the other, but they both still exist. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't know that. I thought I knew it was a web comic originally. I thought it was like, wow, this web comic's amazing. Let's turn it into an actual manga, and then they, they just went on to do the manga and anime from there. No, yeah. no, uh, the uh, web comic's still going on. Um, it's developed quite a lot since um, the Monster Association arc which it's currently doing at the moment so it's progressed quite far, it's got several other arcs ongoing um, and they are brilliant I've got to say Okay, so I need to get back into One Punch Man at some point <laughs> well, I'd definitely recommend watching the second season because you've only got what 12 episodes um, yes the animation style is different because it's under a different studio but some of the mm-hmm. fighting season, scenes are fantastic, got to say, especially on the second to last episodes. I think that's inherently the problem, though, with leaving, like, a really big gap mm-hmm. between seasons, is that you... Like, I really liked One Punch Man when I first watched it, but I watched all of it, and then nothing happened for so long that I kind of just lost interest. Um, and obviously I knew that I, I would probably really like it if I got back into it, but, you know, it's like you need that extra motivator mm-hmm. when it's been a really long time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, true. Unfortunately. True. I mean... To be fair though, the the second season of anime, I really did enjoy it. Um, I mean, I love the series so much, and like I said, the animation does take a slight, um, slight turn, but it's nothing that you can't really lock lock around. And like yeah. I said, some of the fighting scenes still remain fantastic. The opening themes, fantastic also. That's fair enough. That was, yeah, that was like a good opening theme for an anime. Mm-hmm. And when they when they do it good, they do it really good. Oh yeah. I was thinking earlier about like um, like how when I watched Fullmetal Alchemist for the first time and I binged it, it's like even the I did it all on Netflix and even though you get like the skip intro button, I never press that button. I'd always want to watch the intros because that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment with Ducktales as well. I just love the theme song so much that I'm now I'm never pressing that button. I'm just watching the the theme song every single time. Yeah, there are times like a series has like a fantastic opening or close. And then, like, I just immediately add that um, song to my... I immediately just download the song, because sometimes it is fantastic. Full Metal Alchemist is a brilliant example of it, because some of those tunes just go so damn hard. Yeah, they really do. The fantastic stuff. I like... That was one of the first uh, anime albums I ever downloaded. It's brilliant, isn't it? Though? Really good stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, what's got? Any Anything else for Amrix Anime Roundup? Uh, no, I think that really caps it off for Amrix Anime Roundup. I do love saying that. <laughs> I was about to say, it's very weird hearing you say, like, refer to yourself in third person. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, oh, it sounds so wrong, you saying Amrick. Yeah, normally, when you, when, my, my kind of, like, school of thought, if I hear someone referring to themselves in third person regularly, I kind of just assume yeah. they're crazy. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Because they're either crazy or like arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> but you're um. But yeah, man, like the anime roundup, maybe one day we'll get its own theme song. Maybe one day it'll like progress into its own podcast. Who knows? Imagine that, like a spin-off podcast. <laughs> Just like Amrix Anime Roundup. <laughs> oh man, that'd be, that'd be something, but I don't have the organizational skills to pull something that, like that off. Well, because it would have to be, if it was a spin-off, then it can't be me and you. It'd have to be like you and yourself. My AAR, Amrix Anime Roundup. Well, I was Amory Anime Corner, but then you demanded more jurisdiction than just the corner. So we've now decided that it was the roundup, sorry. I, I, I just like the, the, I like the sound of the roundup. Yeah, the roundup makes more sense, uh, to be fair. Because, like, let's be honest, the Amory Anime Corner made it sound like you you get, like, one small aspect of the show to yourself and that's it. Like, everything else is out of your control. <laughs> But yeah, um, I guess I guess we could move on to our next our our normal final segment, which we haven't done in quite a few weeks because the episodes have been too long. <laughs> which I've I've missed. I've missed like the general catch up stuff. It's just, you know, you it's very hard to do a general catch up uh, part of an episode after talking about one division for like two hours. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, yeah. So uh, it's nice yeah. to have this little bit back. So do you want to take it away? Yeah, man. So uh, I, I've. I've been uh, playing a number of different things in my time off, so um, I I decided to get back to Nier Automata. So I think I told you a while back that I like I beat the A story in Nier Automata, um, and decided like I, I played through half of the B story, and because the A story and the B story are like f- extremely similar, because you're playing as one of the two characters that you play as, okay. um, who who are always together, so a lot of it overlaps. So you're doing a lot of the same stuff um, until it like di- until they divert the paths. So um, I'm I'm finally getting back to that now, and like yeah, really enjoying it. I can't recommend Near Automata enough. Like as a, as a game, it's very it's it's fantastic stuff, and it's um, it's quite like you know it falls under that whole like games as a form of art kind of category where it's trying to tell a message, and it's it's some it's some really good stuff. Um, would highly recommend it. Um, in terms of like games I finished recently, I, I, I beat um, the Ultimate Edition of Mortal Kombat and, and as well as its DLC, which I really really enjoyed, uh, Mortal Kombat Eleven. Um, so that's that's been a great time to be honest with you. Uh, like, it's it's not the longest story in the world, though, but the graphics are amazing. Like, I don't know if you've seen. Um, did you ever end up playing Injustice 2 with me? Like, at my place? Because I know you played the first one with me a lot, but I don't I remember if you played I've the I've only sequel. played the first one with you, because mind, I was kicking ass with Aquaman. This is, yeah. So, um, Injustice 2 is, like, an amazing-looking game. Um, if you ever look up cutscenes and stuff, like, they, they absolutely knocked it out of the park with the visuals, and Mortal Kombat 11 just, like, builds off of that, and it's all done Unreal 3, and it is fucking beautiful. Like, the actual game is just beautiful. Um, the cutscenes and stuff just absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend it if you haven't played it already. Like, you know, MK11, it's not hard to get nowadays. You can get, like, the Ultimate Edition for, like, £25, so that's what I did anyway. Includes all the DLC and the um, the DLC campaign. Do you know what's really fucking weird? What? Uh, you you can buy you can buy um, the base game and then 
if you want to buy just like the DLC, so the aftermath DLC, which is like the second half of the story, uh-huh. and um, and then also all the additional DLC characters, you can purchase those as a as a deal for like thirty pounds on top of the base game which you already own, yeah. or you can buy the ultimate edition, which is the base game and those two things for like twenty five pounds. That's so, insane. <laughs> yeah. So even so, even if you like. If if even if you already own the game, it's cheaper to just buy the game again than to like buy buy all the DLC, which I never quite understood, to be honest with you. That's so messed up. Yeah, it's it's, it's strange, isn't it? Um, but yeah, if you ever get a chance, like I think Mortal Kombat, like it, it fights similarly enough to Injustice that I think you'd be able to get into it. I mean, um, it's definitely something I would like to look into. I mean, I'm looking at it now actually. It's about twenty seven pounds. Or the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I bought. Anyway, it's it's good stuff. It's really fun, um, and like it's gruesome as fuck. Um, some of the some of the not just the fatality, but like even in the middle of the the fight, you get like fatal blows and stuff like that. And you know, you know, sometimes like when you're watching them happen, you kind of have to blink and close your eyes when certain things happen. Like when somebody's getting a, a spear go through their face, or like a hook through their mouth, stuff like that. It's so graphic. Apparently, um, the devs, the people who had to like do the the scenes and like make those scenes, they end up with like bits of PTSD from it because it's so because it was so gruesome and they had to keep looking at it and what like detail people dying in horrific ways. Well, that, that's that's <laughs> awful. Can, can you imagine, Apparently, like, like getting paid to like put countless hours into developing a game, and the entire process gives you PTSD. That's horrific. <laughs> That's pretty bad, isn't it? But in 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 their defense, they made a really nice looking game, and those deaths are like sexy as hell. I mean, when you when you've really got to like put like loads of thought into like the dynamic, like the physics of like what you're doing as well, like the like mm. the fluid dynamics, like that kind of stuff of like the blood spatters, like the amount of detail they've got to put into things, like things like this, it's incredible. So especially I, because a lot of the characters have different color blood, yeah. so like they have to do it for each and every of the characters, and some of them are aliens, so like they have blue blood. Or RoboCop isn't—he doesn't have blood; he has black. He has oil. So, so whenever you like do a fatality in RoboCop, it's oil, and like you can see his spine is made out of metal and stuff like that. It's like the smaller details are amazing. Nice. Did I ever tell you that Robo- RoboCop's in this? So, um, Mortal Kombat Eleven, like Mortal Kombat Neverrealm, they tend to get like really. Um, strange cameos um so so is a dlc the dlc fighters in mortal kombat 11 are like uh fucking rambo terminator robocop joker from batman um and melina and pebble rain um but just the fact that you can fight you can fight rambo against terminator is really strange because like you actually have like stallone and schwarzenegger doing the voices that's incredible like why but amazing. It's like, it's like <laughs> yeah, Smash Brothers, is... but for movies. It kind of is. Um, so in the last one, they had like a bunch of horror icons. So they had, it was like um, uh, Predator and Alien and uh, and uh, Leatherface and people like that as well. And then this one, they've done, they've gone with Rambo and Terminator, which I think is just as cool to be honest. And like Schwarzenegger looks exactly like Schwarzenegger in this. And uh, it's very strange seeing real people. Um, like in 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 the game, to be honest with you, especially Stallone, because we like ragged on him recently because of Demolition Man, but he, he's in the game and like one of his um, end quotes, like when you when you 
kill them obviously you have like a victory screen mm. and his his victory screen is like him from when he from like recreating the scene in Rambo where he's like mission and then stabs the knife onto the table next to the person's head it's like accomplished and he does that with each of the characters and is you see like the fear in their eye and stuff but also Stallone doesn't like say the words properly so it sounds like he's saying mizzen accomplished and I'm like why why did they not just get him to re-record it it sounds really strange but I'll send you the clip afterwards I just find it so funny because it's definitely he doesn't he definitely doesn't say mission accomplished it's mission accomplished (laughs) Uh, that's incredible what I I love most is like the um, they, they, they have intros and outros to every single fight so what will often happen is the characters will like talk to each other and give you a little bit of flavour and um, Terminator and, and still like Rambo and Robocop just interacting with the Mortal Kombat characters is weird as hell <laughs> is the best way to put it like some of them flirt with Rambo and uh, it's like hearing hearing like Sindel turn and be like ah well something something from your realm Terminator and I'm like god she called him Terminator <laughs> like they don't ever call Terminator Terminator in those films he's like the T-100 or whatever they don't ever say the word Terminator <laughs> that's so weird I mean, it's probably fantastic to see, without a doubt. Yeah, no, it's it's a good one. I'd I'd, I'd recommend it. It's uh, uh, quality wise, it's like right up there. I I find it so much fun. Like the the story mode is a good one to get through. It's a lot of movie. There's a lot of movie in it. Like it's there are certain points where you're watching the cutscenes and stuff, and you're like, hey, when when can I fight? <laughs> but no, it's a good time. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think about what else I played recently. I've, I've nearly finished with Final Fantasy VIII, um, so I guess, like, I'm in the final dungeon in Final Fantasy VIII, so hopefully I'll be done with that soon. That's cool. uh, but I've been putting th- putting that off for, like, a couple of weeks now. Like, I've been in that final dungeon for, like, maybe nearly a week and a half. I've just not bothered to, to carry on Do you for just some don't want to finish it, or you feel like you've kind of reached the end point? And... Uh, no, it's just, I've, it, it's just a little bit too... Uh, laborious is the best way to put it. So it's not like I'm trying to prov- to stop myself from finishing the game because I'm too attached to it. Because uh, cards on the table, I I like Final Fantasy VIII a lot, but it's not as like um, gripping as the other Final Fantasy games I've played. Um, but but basically, I'm in the final castle, and when you get to the final castle, it turns out you have to do like all this random shit to like enable your actions so you have to beat one boss and then you can use magic and then you have to beat another boss and then you can draw magic and then another boss and then you can get items yeah there's a fair amount of like uh going in roundabouts to have to like then go and beat the final boss in like a in a a good and efficient manner so it's just i can't be fucked (laughs) to do that just as of yet um but i can safely say that final fantasy 8 has like one of the weirdest fucking uh, battle systems that I've ever had to put up with in a game, and it is not a game that you should play as your first Final Fantasy. It just sounds like it's just coolly will take out of you, and it just one thing after another. It's not. It doesn't sound like it makes for a fun playing experience. It's been such a good game so far. It's just it's unnecessarily complex at times. Uh, okay, so to put it into perspective, um, I played the first. Di- I played through disc one. And I was so unhappy with my progress that I restarted it. And then only then I was like, okay, I've got some momentum. I now fully understand how everything works. And then I was like, fine going forward. But basically, 8 has like its own battle system and own um, 
uh, approach the stats. So in every other Final Fantasy, or most of the other ones, um, obviously you get more levels and you become stronger, isn't it? Because that's generally how RPGs work. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Final Fantasy VIII, you kind of want to do the opposite. You want to not pick up as much experience as possible because enemies scale to your level all the really? time. Yeah. Enemies will always be whatever level you are. So if, for example, you play through the game at a minimum level and you get to like the end boss at level 8, yeah. the, the end boss will be level 8. That's interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting, but it's also a pain in the ass when you're trying to keep your level down and uh, you keep accidentally getting levels. Because then you're like, ah, shit, now everything else is going to be more difficult. So <laughs> so I'm like at level 30 nearly, yeah. um, and, and I'm at the final level. I'm in the final castle, rather. And... Um, it's still, it's not like a ridiculously high level because normally by this point I'd be like level 70 to 100. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, but as a as like a way to mitigate this system, um, the way you actually like power yourself up is that the it works off something called the junction system. Right. So y- you, you have the summons in this game. They're known as GFs, Guardian Forces. And each of them links to like a specific stat of yours and like for example you have ifrit as your guardian force he links to your attack stat and then what you do is you then link magic to that guardian force and that attack stat and if you the, depending on the number and the type of magic the the attack stat will get a specific boost for for example if you have like the third level fire spell it might get like a plus 30 um, whereas if you have like Ultima, which is like one of the strongest spells in the game, it'll get like a plus a eighty or something. That's really cool. So it's kind of like stickers in Smash Bros. Not all spirits in Smash Bros. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, only that you would you you all of the Guardian forces that you accrue throughout the game, you like put them on three characters <laughs> instead of um, just one, and you have to like. Uh, rearrange shit all the time and it's not it's not a bad system like it makes sense once you get to grips of it it's really fulfilling but it took me so long to get to grips of it and this is what i mean when i say it is should never be your starter uh final fantasy game because it took way too long to like fully understand what i meant to do going forward um but once i did i was like yeah this is great um and then there's also like a a card game within the game which to be fair to get the most out of the game you kind of have to get really good at and it's called triple triad and basically it's like um oh god how the hell do i explain a card game while i'm talking um you have like four numbers on each side of the card and you have to have a higher number than whatever like they put down so basically higher and lower higher and lower but it's like it's not just one 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 it's like a six by six grid okay or three by three grid or something so um it's yeah it's like a little bit more tactical but you have to like just play kind of negatively to get the ai to like fuck itself over but it's very satisfying like the card game is a lot of fun and like the game in general is a lot of fun you just have to understand the rules that it sets in place and that took me a whole disc of the first game to understand um but yeah I'm I'm glad I played through it, and then after I beat this, I'll have uh, beaten the like PS One trilogy of Final Fantasy games. That's quite a it's quite a good achievement, but I don't think that's something I could really put my time into. <laughs> nah, it's not something I'd recommend. To be honest, like you know, there are so many games available nowadays, and I having in mind I beat like seven and nine when I didn't have a job, so <laughs> and eight is taken me ages to like actually get through it. Yeah. So it kind of says all you need to say. 
Um, but no, it's been it's been a good time. I think uh, it's been better than like I beat fifteen recently as well, mm. um, and like that's been a bit more of a mixed bag, which is why I was saying earlier like I'm not a hundred percent excited for sixteen if it's going to follow in the same same route. Yeah, um, um, I see what you mean. Yeah. But, like, it was okay. It was good at points. I remember telling you before, like, it's really good when you're doing the story stuff, but yeah. terrible when you're doing the side missions. Um, so, that yeah, that applies throughout most of the game. But, to be fair, there are ways that you can, like, manipulate the game to give you stupid amounts of XP. Okay. Um, and so, so for example, you know, because it's an open world, yeah. um, you don't get your XP after you beat things straight away. You have to, like, rest, and only then your XP all, like, tallies together and gets added to you. So what you do is you you get as much XP as possible, then you go stay in, like, a really nice hotel where, like, it has, like, a times-free multiplier on your experience, and then and then stay there, and all of it comes in at once, and you just, like, shoot up, like, 10 or 15 levels or something. That's so that's what I did. Over... That's quite an interesting way to do it. It is, it is, and, like... If, if you have enough patience that you can get a lot of levels out of it but it was also a game I was really happy to be done with once I was over <laughs> but I, I beat all the DLC for it as well so uh, yeah I have no reason to ever go back to it which is fine by me because it was a good enough time but it was a bit of a mixed bag fair enough, fair enough. have you gotten far with Spider-Man? so I'm um, pretty I'd say I've done probably 75% of Sp- Marvel Spider-Man um, I basically at the point where basically Doctor Doc Ock is basically a thing now. Yeah. Um, he's basically gone fucking off his tits. Yeah, he's yeah. A great game, gotta say so far. But I've kind of put them on pause at the moment, and I'm basically been playing um, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yeah, how's that going? Gotta say it's really fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Like the story's quite story's great um generally like the rpg elements they've employed employed are working like really well because mm-hmm. it's like the first like proper rpg um, um this company's properly done themselves it's fantastic it's really well-rounded the characters are brilliant the, the, the voice acting is gotta say is actually impeccable no annoying fucking accents or sh- and none of that shit um yeah and yeah, the RPG elements are brilliant. Like the, it's quite unique. So, everyone's got like a, rather than having your kind of typical kind of, white mage, that kind of, those kind of classes, um, mm. they've opted to instead to like, have very, like so they have so many different classes and they range from things like, hero, homeless, like enforcer, which is kind of like a security guard, clerk, um, idol. It's they have so many weird classes and they're so unique and you can switch. Did you out. say homeless? Yeah, homeless. Because <laughs> um, because how the story progresses, like you basically get your ass kicked and you basically start off homeless. Oh okay. So the first the first friend you make, um, you you decide to become like a self proclaimed hero, but you're the yeah. first friend you make. He's basically homeless, so that's his class. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can literally change out the classes on the fly at any time you want, which is brilliant. So you can change yourself from like a musician to like a break dancer to a homeless, like I've said, to like a bodyguard to like a host on a in like a club. 
and they all have really unique like stat changes as well, which is quite interesting. That's hilarious. But like, that's um, that's great. That's like applying modern day kind of not modern day conventions, but like actual real life roles to yeah. uh, to your typical yeah. RPG yeah. classes. Yeah. So like, you, so you can like balance and like create uh, quite a unique party. Well, generally, yeah, you can balance your party. It can be can become like quite unique with all the combinations you can make. I mean, the story itself is quite brilliant. The side quests are really interesting, and they they tie into the main story quite well. Um, I've literally been putting some time time into like the management side quest where you kind of run a business, and it's such a great way just to make some quick money, just so you can buy like decent weapons and everything. So yeah, it's it's kind of shaping up to like being a really fantastic game and like in terms of RPGs I've really got to put up there with like Dragon Quest 11 in terms of like enjoyment enjoyment levels so I didn't realise it was a it was like an actual RPG because um I know that the other Yakuza games are kind of like open world beat em up games yeah so this is like a this is a proper RPG oh I, I had no idea I know it was by like RRG Studios so I thought it was like no. They, um, no, this, this is very much the first foray into kind of the RPG territory, and they have really pulled it off. I mean, like the re- the reviews are quite favourable as well, but okay. it's very enjoyable. I would definitely recommend it. Okay, I I will end up getting it definitely. Um, obviously, I just need to get through a few of the games that I've got like running at the moment. <laughs> um, like, do you, do you remember like how attached you got into the story of Dragon Quest, eleven? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's very much like like that. You get wrapped up in it quite quickly, and it becomes really enjoyable. Only it's set in the real world, yeah. isn't it? Like actual Japan. Yeah. <laughs> actual Japan. Yeah. I mean, like this. No, this the story oh. does get quite dark at times as well. So is it the same like protagonists? No, in, uh, no. The... This is the first one with a totally different um, um, protagonist. His name's Ichiban. Because like all the other ones use uh, Kiryu, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they're all they're all the same guy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, basically, yeah. And that's what, yeah, all the all the beat 'em ups, all the because I know it's like they're very off the off the wall kind of like offbeat beat 'em ups with um, like dance sequences and mm. shit. Like they're they're not your typical kind of games. Yeah, I mean this it it does borrow a lot of elements from um, Yakuza. You've still got like. You can still go to the bars. You can still get drunk. You can still do karaoke. Um, you can <laughs> visit like clubs and stuff. So it's it's quite cool. Um, yeah, I'll definitely give it a go. I, like I, as I said, I'm always up for more RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you're based in one kind of district within a city, but it's it's fairly open world within that. Like you can travel across wherever you want. You can dick about as much as you want. It's, it's fantastic. I've got to say, I'd definitely recommend it. Okay. Nice. Well, I'll give it a go one day, definitely. Uh, I, I don't want to... Um, I, I know I will end up getting to it. It's just, obviously, as I said, so many things have got ongoing at the moment mm. with uh, PS5 games that, like, I, I still... I want to prioritise finishing what I'm in the middle of at the moment. No, I don't blame you. Yeah, like, near especially. Like, I've been playing this since November... Uh, before November... No, yeah, since uh, before, before the new year. Okay. It's just... I've like put it down for quite a while um after finishing the a story and now it's like okay now let's get back to it i just want to beat it now so a stories after that b story and then finally the c story which has nothing to do with the first two so hopefully um hopefully it'll be as good for man. like I'm, I'm looking forward to it oh, and cool. uh 
I'm just trying to think of what else really. There's not much else going on. I mean, I want. I've nearly finished with uh, Super Mario 3D World. I'm in the last world of that now. So, oh, really? I'm in. I'm in World Eight. I haven't played any of Bowser's Fury yet, so I think I should probably get to that at some point too. I'm surprised you managed um, to hold off on Bowser's Fury so far. Like an idiot, I think in my head I'm like, okay, beat 3D World first, and then go to Bowser's Fury. But I think, you know, that's probably not what I need to be doing. I should probably look into both because I want to do a review of a 3D World sooner or later. Oh yeah, oh, yeah we definitely could. Because it's been such a fun time. Like, it's way better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, like, we um, definitely could, but let's not make promises on this. <laughs> no, let's not make promises of this. We're not We're not going to say what we're going to be doing next week or whatever. But um, I, I definitely want to, like, go into 3D World and Bowser's Fury and, like, how they contrast, but also how good they are individually. And, uh, like, I, I've had a much better time with 3D World than I thought I would um, when I originally started playing it. Because I only ever heard, like... People say it's it's like a HD version of 3D Land, um, but to to be honest, like I liked I really liked 3D Land as well. So I was like, ah, I'm sure this will be fun. It's way better than 3D Land. Like I don't know what people are talking about. It's way better. Yeah, I, it's, it's I, super arcadey. Like, I I think it's way better. Yeah, it's way stronger than um, 3D Land on so many different levels. Like people say, like it's it's such a fun time. Like I would say this is right up there for me than with like galaxy and odyssey to be honest with you i still i've had such a good time it's a very different kind of game mm. um but and it's not like open but the level to level arcadiness of it all is like i've ripped through most of these levels because they're quite they're sweet and short but they offer you like more concentrated platforming challenges yeah. and i've had such a good time with it like i'm surprised people don't i honestly think it was like a timing thing with this game and the reason why people are like they wanted to open mario game and they got this but in all honesty i think this is such a great game like i i can't speak highly enough about it and after not playing the wii u game i'm glad like i got this version where everything is a lot faster and yeah. uh, more chaotic yeah. you know i mean they've definitely like fixed some of the issues that were mentioned with um the previous game but yeah it's just so in- enjoyable i mean, like like you said the the levels are like short they're, f- they're fast they're sweet some of the platforming can be challenging it's got it's got like, mm. a nice decent mix in there i think it's got a good flow doesn't it yeah without a doubt like, yeah I've played through this much faster than I like. I would have played through like Galaxy. Oh, uh, oh yeah, definitely. Even I, I, I liked Galaxy a lot, but like in terms of the flow, I think this is just absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, really well. I think it'd be good to do like a review of that at some point. But I really want to play co-op on it more than anything. I want to. I want to do like four-player co-op and just experience the chaos that you get. That would be really <laughs> cool. To be honest, I, I say that I know how much I hated it. Um, the co-op on, on when they did it on the Wii. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes in three D. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be terrible. <laughs> it generally is. Co-op is not something you really want for platformers, but it's so chaotic, it's hilarious. Like it's for the jokes more than anything. Yeah, it's just more for like the shits and gigs, really, isn't it? Because given how much you can like shoot each other, or well, shoot yourself in the foot, or like really like screw someone else's pick jump each other up. up. It, it's really quite interesting. Yeah. Well, because basically, you you can accidentally pick people up when you're running. Because obviously, you press the pressing, the pickup button yeah. <laughs> to run. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, but to be honest, why would you fix that? Like, it's it's just part of the fun, isn't it? Exactly. But yeah, we'll do we'll do pretty well at some point. I do want to go into it a little bit more because it's it's been such a good time. Um, but yeah, man. Like, I don't have too much more in terms of the the catch up. Like, other than. If you, if you want me to talk about DuckTales for another half an hour. <laughs> well, I think that wraps things up nicely, don't you think? 
yeah, no, that's a, that's a good place to leave it, and we don't want to be beating our one division record. I do apologize to anyone who thought that episode was a bit too long. Like, I appreciate three hours is quite a fair amount of time for a podcast. Like, I wonder, did we break some sort of podcast record for the longest podcast? Because I feel like we might be getting there. I mean, with, if, with that if, one if, not, if not just longest, then most annoying, maybe. <laughs> It was. I, I thought it was an interesting enough episode, but like I was in the episode, so maybe I'm not like a good judge of character. Yeah, but probably but not. To, to be to, to be honest, maybe I don't know. Like uh, maybe we could be afford to be more concise, or maybe it's uh, it's what you all deserve. I, I mean, <laughs> if you have any opinions on the matter, feel free to shout at us at our, on our Twitter. Uh, yeah, we are, um, we so are, your pod toa. Pod toa, and we're also it's uh, trainer vamp. Train of ambivalence at gmail.com, yeah. I believe. <laughs> yeah, so, yes. I actually looked it up. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's train of, um, it's train of ambivalence at gmail.com. Nice. So you can also email us with your complaints as well. Maybe send like a couple of screenshots about how, um, to like evidence how miserable you were <laughs> when <laughs> listening to us. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. We'll, we can hang up, hang up the pictures in the train of ambivalence offices that we have here and be like this is what we are achieving yeah. and this is what we're struggling motivation exactly exactly i think uh you know we're on what episode 21 now which is fucking nuts when you think about it considering when we started this like recent run of podcasts we started at like episode seven i think god damn we're doing well not mm. to pat ourselves yeah, on we the are back doing but well. we're doing well <laughs> fuck fuck you i'm gonna pat every- i'm gonna pat ourselves on the back we're the best <laughs> We're, good, good job, us. We're like if we're like if cats were human, they'd be us. Oh, mate, that's that's the deal, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I was um I was using that Mario 3D World as a joke the other day, where somebody somebody was talking about the Bethesda's buyout and like they're like, oh yeah, Fallout Four, and I'm like, yeah, I never got around to Fallout Four as again, I play I don't play that many adult games. It's like I'm 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 like oh yeah Fallout Four's over here I could play that but also look at this game it's got Mario in a cat suit I'm just gonna play that instead like that that is my mentality when it comes to video games. I mean I definitely it's, know the game I'd rather play and it's Mario in a cat suit. Yeah, and it's not a slight on Fallout like I've only ever played number three but it's just I know I kind of know what I'm gonna like and a lot of the time it's more kiddie games I guess. <laughs> I mean, come on, like, Mario in a cat suit or, like, a nuclear wasteland? Which one are you going to pick? <laughs> Mario in a cat suit in a nuclear wasteland? That would be an interesting one. <laughs> that would be an interesting one. It'd be like the, the, the post-world of Bowser's Fury. It's like Bowser's Fury created, like, a nuclear reaction that wiped out everybody except for Mario, <laughs> and he's still in his cat suit. And on that note, I think it's a good time to sign off. <laughs> Yeah, these episodes are always ending on like really strange offbeat pieces of commentary, and then like like what, what this was a couple of weeks ago when we said like something about the IgOnuma and the COVID vaccine, and then just ended the episode promptly afterwards. It's like we're almost trying to make the audience leave us with like a really bad taste in their mouth. I mean, did we end the episode when Nintendo just cut us off abruptly? <laughs> it could have been both. I mean, probably we would probably tried to ask Nintendo to sponsor us and they listened to the episode and were like fuck you, like, you stop this right now <laughs> the, the same reaction we got from Neil Diamond we got from Neil from Nintendo as well just, yeah, just famous people don't like us Neil Tendo anyway, 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening to the Train of Ambivalence, episode 21. So hopefully uh, sooner or later we'll be getting to the, the quarter, of a, quarter of a century in episodes. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe we'll do something special to celebrate our 25th episode. Probably not. Probably just going to be a normal episode. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. It's been a fun time. Thanks to... Uh, the, again, Hancock for the theme song, and thanks to uh, Amrick for showing up, and thanks to Mario for getting in those cat suits that inspire us. Uh, I have been Zane. And I've been Amrick. Thanks again for tuning in. And take care. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.